The Ron and Fez Show starts right now. Kiss me out of desire, baby. No. 
Okay, let's get down to it, Bopper. It's the Ron and Fez Show on a Wednesday. Uh, a lot coming up, including within 20 minutes, we should have a guest stopping by the great Jeffrey Wright, who is, uh, I'd say, Hicks, one of the best actors working today. Oh, he's ridiculously strong. He's the man. I didn't know that you felt that. Hell yeah, Basquiat, baby. It. Come on. All right, don't yell at me. We're, we're Among many other roles. But here's the thing. I don't know where you somehow see of us as the Ravens, and you're retiring, and you need to fire us up. Let's just talk like humans. Let's do the dance. I don't want to. I just want to be a regular person. Um, passion and, and, and uh, decimal levels are not the same thing. Well, I'm glad that you like them. So Jeffrey Wright uh, coming in just a little bit. He's in this uh, new film, Broken City, which uh, has got Russell Crowe and Mark Wahlberg uh, fighting. It's a very big film to come out in January. In the old days, they would not release any big films in between Christmas and the Oscar season. They just thought that that was dead time. But there's no such thing anymore. Just uh, summer films can come out in the winter or the fall and... Um, small films can come out in the middle of the summer. They just, they gave up on acting like uh, it matters. 12 months a year, they're still going to make that bank. That's true. That is true, Ray. And you're right. I think we can beat the Patriots <laughs> if we pull together as a team. I'm starting to have new feelings about the Atlanta game. And I think the best thing that happened to Atlanta is almost losing that last game. I think you're going to see a very fired up team. And you know if they're on, they're good. Uh, it, well, yeah, I mean, fucking Matty, now his new nickname is Matty Black Ice, because you don't see him coming. He has a great arm, and fucking throw it up. Yeah, but he also can throw a lot of picks. <laughs> uh, and also, you know, those guys know that their heart just disappears. At some point, they just stop caring. They don't have that Chris Stanley way of being. So, I'm not, I'm not making, making any bets yet. The smart thing to do is wait, see what Barker does. And go in the opposite direction. Or will that now be the jinx? Once you figure out a pattern, you're jinxed. It reverses it. It's 100% true. Uh, you can't. It has to be a, a legitimate fucking pick. And people also, they go with the jinx stuff way too far. Like, people still bring up the Madden jinx, even though it's been disproved. I mean, they stop it. Megatron broke the record. I saw that we have, uh, I don't know whether we put it up to Sports Illustrated jinx. Already been disproved, but people love to say the word jinx so much that they, you know, they just keep going with it. Well, jinxes are real. Like, they actually exist in the universe around us. But once a jinx is broken and once it's off, it's off. Mm. You can't keep going back (laughs) to the jinx if the jinx doesn't exist anymore. Fez Watley, what's up in your world today? Well, uh, this flu epidemic in New York State especially has gotten so bad. No, it's all over the country. I know that you live in New York State, but everywhere you look, uh, a guy just died in your hometown the other day, uh, one of the radio guys, and it's simply from the flu, the same flu that 
we all had. He died from it. The flu shouldn't be killing people. It always has, though, historically. That's the weird thing about it. We get used to things and act like, okay, they're not too big a deal. But to this day, it's like the uh, leading cause of killing people is like dysentery or diarrhea. And we don't think of that as a killer because we live in this country, but it's still high up. You know, a lot of Bill Gates' money is going towards that. Well, they're trying to protect the kids. So now in the Manhattan Youth Soccer Leagues, they have banned high-fiving and the post-game handshake, where each team goes down the lines uh, shaking each other's hands after the game. Because they're like, if kids touch each other, they will die from this flu. Well, that is, you know, the people say it's handshakes are, and touching is one of the worst things. And little kids got the shitty immune systems. Yeah, they're not. They haven't been through as many nope. of these as we have. Awesome We're survivors, adult. yeah. We're awesome surviving <laughs> adults. I don't see high-fiving happening anymore anyway. That seems a little uh, antiquated to be getting rid of. I don't know what the children are doing. Are you telling me they're not high-fiving? I don't think people are high-fiving anymore. I think it's out. I think it's gone. Was it a matter of being in, though? Was it like, come on, be cool and high-five me? Give it up. Up high, dog. <laughs> I don't know. People would high-five in offices before. So they're not high-fiving. Not high-fiving. Well, they're blowing it up. They're fucking uh, doing the pound and the explosion. So, and with the handshake at the end of the game, I, you know, the, the few times I played kids' sports, I hated that. I hated having to shake the hand. I was on a, a baseball team where we lost every single game, and mm-hmm. I despised having to go through that line. And but you do it real fast. Good game, 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 good game. And then when you see your friend, you'd always say, bad game, and you both would laugh like, luck, we're rebellious. So uh, you're all in favor of this, Fez. I'm in favor of this. If it's actually this dangerous, maybe we should just stop the kids from playing sports until we're out of the cold and flu season. Well, you know, a lot of people would like to do away with shaking hands. I know a lot of people in business who despise shaking hands. Because of germophobia? Yeah. And germophobia by men is now okay. The effeminate act of being afraid of germs. Not with this guy. Give me all the germs you possibly can. I just don't think that you can beat it, and I think that you're... You just threw... I, I, Purell, I don't want nothing to do with other it. Other people use it, and you just chucked it. I mean, this is... It doesn't matter. We have Purell stations every three feet in this I'm gonna building. I'm going to start fucking taking a crowbar to them. Um, Margaret, you're on the run of Fez show. Hi, I just want to let Fez know that, yes, children still, still do high-five all the time. And, yes, they can get the germs from that. And, yes, they do do the shake handshakes at the end. So, Yes, yeah. I know they do those things, so that's why they're, bring, they're being <laughs> banned. Well, you just no, said that the yeah. high-five was done. Their eight-year-olds do still high-five. <laughs> all right. Uh, so... <laughs> I don't know. I guess I don't know as much about eight-year-olds as I thought I did. No, but stop don't. them from high-fiving. Well, I don't know if we need to panic. That's just my own thing. Is that if you panic, what's the big deal? I honestly think that a lot of people, when it comes to colds and flus, that they talk themselves into it. I like to take the other angle of swearing that I'm not sick and saying, no, uh, the worst of it's behind me, until you fight it off. I think when you give in... 
It's like the worst thing that you can do. And that's why I, I think that the germaphobes are more sick than anyone else because they sit around and worry like Woody Allen all the time. And they're destroying their fucking immune system by fucking constantly bathing and so constantly just the soap in the Purell. It fucks you up if you use too much of it. They act like we don't belong on the planet Earth. Come on. I mean, guys. most people used to sleep in the mud until like 100 years ago. Oh, that's dirty. Maybe we should cut all the little children's hands off so they can just pound stubs. There are so many people, though, that I know from business that would are always telling me that they despise shaking hands. And they're forced to do it because it's the, the social norm. And, like, I've had a guy tell me before, going into a meeting, he's weirded out knowing that he's going to have to shake, like, seven or eight people's hands. He's like a salesman. And he goes into places... And all he thinks about is all these people are going to be rubbing germs on me. And then during the meeting, he thinks about, I've got those germs all over me now. I can't wait to parole this off. Hey, Dan in Florida, you're on the Run of Fest show. Hey, bodies. Well, I've got one to up that guy. I'm in sales, and not only do I sell, but I sell to chefs, and I sell for a living. So not only do you have to worry about the germs, but you got to worry about these fucking nasty chefs that that just were handling a raw piece of chicken breast or fucking ground beef or oysters. And then you got to shake their hand before you leave. And the first thing I do, man, before I touch anything in my car, I have wipies. I go right to the wipies. I fucking clean up. Do you clean all around your vagina and make sure that... Because you sound... Seriously, this is the exact opposite of a man to me. A man should be like the fucking... Like the way Marines talk. And you don't run into, like, a Marine fucking colonel who's like, I do everything I can to wipe down. I'm really nervous. That's the it's way the, It's this pussification thing. You're fucking fine. You live on Earth. Your body is filled with billions of germs, good and bad. Stop acting like somehow you and nature are two different things. Oh, people want to fight nature. They want nothing to do with it. They think that they're not part of nature, and uh, and yet they are. Um, here's uh, let's go over here to Mark in Chicago. Mark, Ron, I'm in the office yesterday, and it sounds like the fucking the worst ward on the hospital. People just you know hacking and coughing, and people should just stay home. You know they're spreading it around, giving it to each other. Um, it's pretty fucking selfish to be coming in and coughing your germs all over everybody. Stay at home. Well, you never have the boss, though, telling people to stay home. It's the other people. Like, if they would say here, stay home, uh, people would. But there's not a lot you can do about it. It's the cold and flu season. There's going to be some colds and flus. They're everywhere. I had to go to the fucking doctor. I got a bunch of antibiotics. It was great. I don't know why everyone doesn't get a fucking flu shot, but they're afraid that the government then is going to know where they go and what they do. No, see, the federal government wants to give everyone autism, so we have an army of autistic people. And then people will no longer be able to high-five, and Fez will be correct. <laughs> the suggested replacement for high-fiving and handshaking is bumping elbows. Okay. So I, I really don't see that taking off, like, in a business world where everybody's, uh, instead of handshaking, now we bump elbows. Would you think you saw as many fist bumps? As you do today? If no, I wouldn't have thought of that. Years ago, that men would just fist bump and everybody's happy. 
to do a fist bump. Never thought that was going to fucking blow up like it has. I fist bump all the time. I, I now know. fist bump because I don't know whether I'm looking at a germaphobe. <laughs> Fuck. The germophobia thing has to so We have to stamp this out. I don't know. Well, there's germophobia, then there's just bad handshakes. I mean, on the average, I would think you get more bad handshakes with people than actual good ones. That's probably a different topic than the germ uh, thing. Um, but the reality of it is you're getting bad handshakes because people don't like it. They do not like putting their hands in another person's hand. And they are kind of trying to pull it away just uh, as it's happening. Uh, Phil, you're on the run of show. I go into Sam's the other day and I see uh, like a 30-year-old, you know, kind of normal-looking guy with a baby in his arms. And he takes out his little handy wipes and he spends 10 minutes wiping down the cart. Then he takes the little blanket thing out, puts the kid in it, and pushes him into Sam's. And as I walk by him, I said to him, does your wife make you do that? Because, you know, we all grow up in carts with no issues. You know, and then 10 minutes later, I didn't realize his wife was in the store with him. <laughs> Good for him. There's it a is... flu epidemic. He's trying to wipe things down to protect his kid from getting the flu. Didn't uh, fucking... you survived it. Yeah. Did you make it through it? It's just stop it. Stop acting like this is the worst thing in the world. It's just part of being a person. For some reason, we have fallen into this thing that any amount of discomfort is unacceptable and unnatural. And this is the same reason why if someone feels sad two days in a row, they go running out and change their brain chemistry. Or they will fucking just sit there and love their own obsessions and talk about their obsessions later. And you know the people who have obsessions because they get less work done than anyone else. Because they spend more time, you know, their work has to be done in this one direction and they have to rethink it. So they're getting, you know, four things done where everybody else is getting 18 things done. All because they give into it. You got they fuck. fucking give into it. And then they act like that's normal instead of shaking it the fuck off. Man was supposed to kill a deer, cut it open, and pull its guts out. That's the way we were designed from the fucking word go. Bo Jackson still does it. So why are you acting like suddenly sitting at a fucking table or eating at a restaurant that the people show up anyway to make sure that it's clean and they put up signs saying that it's clean and then people are just sitting there I don't know what that chef is doing oh my god that you think there's something wrong with this fork stop being a fucking pussy um if it was so dangerous how would we ever have nurses and doctors they seem like they're able to work in the hospital um, let's go over here to, uh, Pete. Pete, you're on the run of fish show. Yeah, good morning, buddy. When I was a kid, I used to fucking eat dirt and roll around in the mud and everything. My little brother's got a kid, and he, everywhere he goes, he trails shit. The kid's always sick now. It's fucked up. It's a big, giant vagina. Yeah, remember, like, when you would, like, be in the woods and you get home and your mom would want to check your head for ticks? Because you'd just be out there letting ticks fucking bury you into you, but you oh. wouldn't know the difference because you were having fun? These kids, they've never had a fucking tick stuck into their fucking dome. Uh, Murray, Tallahassee, you're on the run of fish show. Hey, what's up, guys? Sometimes you just can't help it. It's what you sign up for. I mean, I'm in pharmaceutical sales, so I'm going into a place where I know people are ill, you know, to call on doctors and make a living. It's just like a game and fresh guy. He knows he's walking up on a guy who's, hold, who's holding a gun 
or a weapon of some sort. Hell, I'd be more afraid of the idiot that doesn't wash his hand after he takes a crap than I am walking into a, a sick office. It is weird when you think about it that anybody who works in the medical profession has to be around this all the time, and they complain a lot less than people who are working in a goddamn cubicle. Well, because they're the fucking because the people who are working in cubicle and are germaphobes, they're not fucking educated. They just assume that oh my god, my hands are dirty, something bad's gonna happen. It's a fucking mental illness. That's what it is. It is a mental illness. But the weird thing about it, it's a mental illness that for uh, some reason we will kind of help each other with and say, oh, yeah, you're right to do that. No, you're not. Stop it. I'd love to put Pure All out of business. I don't care. I mean, use it if you want to. There's times that you probably should use it. But don't be thinking about it all the time. And let's not confuse a head cold with anything important. You've had colds every year of your life, your whole life. Uh, people seem surprised, though, when they get it again and uh, they start feeling shitty when they it's a familiar. It should be a familiar feeling if you're an adult, right? I mean, a cold is a cold is a cold. What are you going to do? You got a fucking cold. I don't understand. It doesn't stop the fucking train. Regards, Juice and NyQuil. You'll be all right in a fucking week. That goes away. <laughs> and then later, you know, that spring to summertime, you get another cold. That's it. Unless you're fucking really old or fucking you're the parent of a little kid. Who cares? It's going to be fucking be fine. I don't get it. And shake hands. Come on. It's fun. We have an immune system. We do. Uh, Andy in Rochester, you're on the Run Fest show. Yeah, hey, what's going on, guys? First off, I agree with Suz. Like, if you're going to stop him from shaking hands and high-fiving, this is indoor soccer. Kids are running around, like, breathing all over each other, rubbing against each other. They're going to get sick anyway. So either overreact and cancel the whole shit or just let them high-five and shake hands, right? Kids, kids get hands. sick. They spend half the time throwing up. They get fevers yeah, like we the- don't. <laughs> you know, and they get all that stuff. So they'll get them less as they get older. Exactly. And to your point about like Marines, I spent some time in the Marine Corps, uh, served some time in Iraq. I went two months without a shower. The only thing I cleaned my balls and ass crack with was sand and water. But I'll tell you what, like nowadays, I just feel better sanitizing my hands. Like, I, I don't know. I have two kids. I don't want them sick, not because I don't want them to be sick, but because it is such a gigantic pain in the ass to have a sick kid that I just don't want them, you know, Mouthing the, the handle on the cart, getting freaking nasty germs from some guy that took a piss and didn't wash his hands. Um, it is. It's a strange thing that men talk about it as much. Like I wouldn't even mind if people did it if they didn't sit around and worry about it. I can't like constantly. About that. Like we're supposed to come up with this idea whether or not these are they're not our kids. Why do we give a fuck if they high five? They're fucking going to be tackling each other and rolling around on the ground, fucking sharing gum or whatever disgusting things kids do. <laughs> Why are we talking about that? I think, it's, I think it because it becomes that maybe what if this thing spreads to the rest of the country or whatever? It has. <laughs> it's cold and flu season. This is a heavy year for it. Real heavy. I, never, I can't remember last time people started, were freaked, so freaked out, but obviously because a bunch of people are fucking dying. 
Yeah, but it's also the media pounds and pounds and pounds and pounds, you know, like just like the same thing now in the summer when you get a couple of days or extra hot and all everyone talks about is rehydrating and you're looking around and people are just carrying water with them. <laughs> you're not bottles. going to fucking die. You're walking from your goddamn job to your car. The news told me to stay hydrated, though. This fucking weatherman. I don't, I don't want to have heat stroke. Ridiculous. The worrying that goes on. People love it. They want to have something to distract them, basically. I always love when people get so obsessed with their OCD. And they're like, I have to do this. You know, you don't have to. Just don't do it. Stop fucking embracing it. Or else do it quietly and stop talking about it. But they, they bring it out as if it's a trophy. Something to brag about. They talk about their OCD like it was a 14-inch dick. <laughs> Look at it. Look at this fucking OCD. It's hard as fuck, isn't it? Yeah, I'm going to turn this light on 14 times back and forth before I leave the house. So many people have tried to tell me that they have to do this with their garage. No, you don't. Just stop yourself. They love it. They, they want to they fuck it. They, they, they love having something. Well, my, my thing is always this. Every time you want to do that... You want to turn the light switch? Do a shot instead. Oh, shit. Just do a shot. I think that's my OCD. Yeah. And get back into what you really need, an addiction. Like Lee Marvin had. Oh, yeah. Not an obsession like fucking Woody Allen has. Because these obsessions, there's no, like, positive to them. And an addiction, at least at the very beginning, feels good. You get fucked up. Yeah, you get fucked up. And then everyone knows why you're a fuck up. Instead of just thinking you're some kind of Howard Hughes weirdo. With the OCD, it's just like you're always worrying about something that you might or might not have done. You can't remember. You've lost track of how many fucking times you have to lock the door. Or if you turn the fucking stove off or whatever. I honestly think you've got to tell yourself, I don't get sick. Even while you're sick. It's like the secret almost. Because you've got to just ignore it and move on to other things. Instead of obsessing on it. You start to think about fucking uh, germs crawling into your asshole, oh. and that's all you think about your whole life. Germs are supposed to come out of your asshole. Stop it. I'm just saying. I know, but it's just a repeating so close to mine. No, I'm just, it, it, it's only out. Germs should only go out of the butt, not in. Yes. Out. Someone hired you to try to fucking just throw a tripwire in front of me? No, not at all. Anything new with uh, Dave's brain cancer? Not yet. I'm going to fucking see him tonight, and then uh, I'll get any updates there. Dave Max Sports Program, Riotcast.com. Is it on tonight? Yeah. I don't know how that all works. Yeah, we, we record it tonight. It's no on... one gets to hear it live, though. Uh, if, you're, if you go to the um, Riotcast.com, you can see it on Ustream. There's a link there where it's on a fucking webcam. You can watch it live there, and then it goes up later tonight around 8.39. You can download it off iTunes. Steve Max Sports Program. What are you guys going to be talking about? Playoff games? Playoffs. Maybe Carmelo. He's in this big fucking to-do. Then now, then now just... Uh, Is MS- it about taping him? Yeah, the MSG thing where the... He didn't even know. The MSG's now just taping him. They have the directional mics at him to fucking see what he's saying to fucking other players. No, it's not to see what he's saying to them. Oh. It's what they're saying to him. Because apparently everyone tries to get into his uh, head and says shit about his family. So they're trying to point out to the league, look, they're treating Carmelo, they're bullying him. 
man, that must suck to be known as the guy who can't be fucked with about his fucking family. Because I'm sure everyone gets shit talked to them. Yeah, I've never heard him complain about it, though. It's weird. Don't know how it's come up like this. But don't you like when they mic players? It's always kind of fucking fun. Oh, it's awesome. Like in the NFL, when they release it like the week after or whatever, like mic'd up. Why can't you just do that during the game, though? Like every game, you're just listening to them yell. That'd be the sick. The only person that you can hear is Peyton Manning at every game, just yelling throughout the Outlaw, whole time. kill, kill, kill! <laughs> pointing at different guys. <laughs> and you're like, I can't see where you're pointing. I got my back to you. Peyton, come on. There was a play like 20 seconds ago that seemed fine to us. But by the way, do you ever see him being called for time? Never happens. No. He can do all that crazy shit. In the allotted time. <sighs> yeah, he fucking No, chokes. I don't think he's ever taken a snap with two seconds left, though. He goes down to the last possible second so he can get in his whole soliloquy. He's great to watch. Is he? I think so. This, the fucking calling the audibles is awesome. I was never a big fan until he broke his neck. I always used to root oh, against no. him. Yeah, I, I did. I root against him for years. All right, we talked about the great Jeffrey Wright. He's stopping by. You know him from, Jesus, so many great, great movies. He was in, uh, well, Basquiat is where I first became uh, aware of him. Uh, but then W and Syriana, Broken Flowers. He seems to work with all the best possible people. Um, I think everybody who's good, he's worked for before. His new film is called Broken City, and it's about corruption, of course, in government. Uh, let's bring in Jeffrey Wright. Last gun start, got a tail is brown. Green tally up, and green tally down. Last gun start, got a tail is brown. Green tally up, and green tally down. Jeffrey Wright in studio with us. Uh, the new film is Broken City, and it's uh, out in theaters January 8th, 18th. Check it out at BrokenCityMovie.com. Jeffrey, welcome to the show. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, another film about corruption in government, because we're never going to be able to beat that, aren't we? The corruption. Well, you know... Um yeah, I think it's timeless. It's yeah, a, it is. It's a timeless thing. It's a timeless subject. Yeah. Well, the, well the, the whole chase for power and the want for power, it kind of brings those kind of people to the top, the game that you play. Yeah, you know, when we, when, when, when we were thinking through the film and working on it, you know, we really viewed it more as a gangster film than as a political film, you know, mm-hmm. because those same type of dynamics and same type of hunger for power exist uh, even, you know, even more so. It's an even greater power in yeah. politics. Um, but... Uh, you know, this is an old story. Uh, it's as old as, you know, as Julius Caesar, as Shakespeare, you know, writing Julius Caesar, how many, you know, hundreds of years ago. And uh, it's as old as, you know, it was played out in Rome. And right. Played out now. You, you know, know, when when Coppola did The Godfather, he said to him it was about corporations. Mm. It was really about the corporate life. And when you get into that, it's really weird that you have to kind of 
whether you're in a, a city government or a corporation, whatever, you have to live somewhat of a dishonest life to move up the ladder. Well, I don't know if that's necessarily true, that you have to be dishonest. Um, but, you know, there there's compromise mm-hmm. that you have to make. And the question becomes... How much are you willing to compromise? But I tell you what, it's not, you know, and who are you willing to compromise and what part of yourself are you willing to compromise? But it's not solely a function of politics. It happens in Hollywood, too. You know? Right. It happens in this business as well, where you say, you know, I'll do that part, you know, I, you know, but uh, I don't really feel a good feel that good about that aspect of it. But, you know, I'll let that go. Yeah. Because the money's saying something else, you know. Right. And it- what you're willing to do to, you know, to get into the room and to. Uh, you know, to continue your career, and you see it all the time. You know, you see, see you know, people, uh, you know, making choices that, um, you know, that, uh, you know, maybe they shouldn't make. You know? Well, and you get into that. I'll do one for me and one for them, and back yeah. and forth. And then before you know it, you really are exactly. But that's why this film is not so much about Broken City. Is not so much about New York, but it's right. about uh, a larger idea. And New York in the in the film. Uh, really could be Chicago, could be Philadelphia, could be Metropolis. You uh-huh. know, it's uh, it's just fertile ground for, you know, these types of, uh, of behaviors, you know, uh, among the characters. And so, therefore, it becomes much more personal about the choices that they make, they're willing to make, and the struggle against one another. And it's, so it's not an expose mm-hmm. by any stretch of the imagination. It's, uh, it's, 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 a, it's we hope, a bigger idea than that. This uh, film is directed by half the Hughes brothers. Yes. It's unbelievable to me that they're not working on this together. The Coen brothers and the Hughes brothers have always been that thing of they're both together. Yeah. No matter what. What happened on this one? Well, I think uh, I think Alan, uh, I think Alan's brother's living in Prague now, and I mm-hmm. think he, he's, he's, he's happy over there. Yeah. He wanted to chill out in Prague uh, a little bit longer, but, uh, I, I, you know, Alan's fantastic. You know, I had, uh, you know, respect for, you know, his work with his brother, and, um, and you know, he's a big, big part of why I'm in this film. Uh, and you know it was great working with him, and as well, you know the the, the writer uh, is a young a young uh, young guy named Brian Tucker, who's from Chicago actually. So you know some of the influences for him in writing this were Chicago Chicago you know sure. city politics you know as rough as that can be. But uh, um, yeah, Brian is a young African American writer, as it you know uh, as it turns out, which I didn't realize when I was writing it. How would you? But uh, really exciting, uh, you know, for me to support his work and support Alan's work, and then Mark Wahlberg is really fantastic to work with, mm-hmm. one of the producers of the, of the film as well. Great story. Mark's story is a great story. You know, mm-hmm. when I read this film, you know, in, in terms of his the arc of his life, you know, coming from having made, you know, a few mistakes early on, but you know, rewriting his story as he goes on to be one of the most influential guys in Hollywood and a good guy. Uh, but when I read the piece originally, it reminded me of a Humphrey Bogart movie. The old school, you know, yeah. old school, you know, rugged, you know, rogue detective, mm-hmm. you know, who's, you know, out, you know, uh, you know, carving his own way. And I thought the more I got to know to Mark, it made even more sense to me. It's like, because he's got that similar kind of, you know, uh, likability, but authenticity, mm-hmm. you know, as a street kid, but he's got an accessibility to him and a grit to him, you know. So, uh, you know, he really brings a lot uh, to this to this movie. And there's less and less street in American culture, don't you think? Because we're on kids about education, and they're they're taken from one school to the next, and then they're dumped as an adult, and they have no idea the hustle, yeah. which is a big part of 
help people get ahead. Yeah, you know, you, know, you got to have a connection to the real world. You know, mm -hmm. you can't. You know, you got to have the common touch certainly, and that's a part of uh, part of one's education too. But uh, yeah, you know, and I think you know, one thing I you know I, I miss in movies is films from the street that didn't. Uh, you know, that really kind of examine the humanness right. of people's lives, ordinary people's lives, which you don't see too much in the in the in the cinema like, like as we used to. You know, I was watching a film came on the other day, Claudine, mm -hmm. with James Earl Jones and uh, and Diane Carroll. James Earl Jones is a garbage man. Right. It's a movie about. Uh, you know, a, a woman who's struggling, you know, single mother with multiple children and, you know, no man until this garbage man shows up. But it's the most beautiful relationship that they have yeah. and the humanity between all these characters is fleshed out in a way that we don't see anymore. I think it's I think it's tragic. And it says something about where we place our value now. You know, well, I, I think we have changed quite a bit where we used to want to see a film, have it reflect life and then talk about it later, where we've gotten into this point of escapism yeah to escape when we go to the theater that was the you know you brought up shakespeare earlier that was the exact opposite of why you went to theater to begin with right you right. know it was to help try to figure out life and figure out what you would be doing yourself that, you know that's right i mean i might you know uh I always like to think that if you really want to escape, you know, if you're going to the movies to escape, then, you know, they should, the movies or the theater or whatever it is should, uh, you know, perhaps help you craft a key, yeah. you know, that helps you unlock those things that are preventing you from being free anyway. So, I, you know, they, they, that, that have some connection to the real world. Those, those are the great movies that I find anyway. You know, you brought up Coppola, you know, movies like Apocalypse Now, you know, which were fantastical and way out yeah. there. But still grounded in a reality that was, uh, you know, uh, really, uh, you know, uh, socially re relevant. And, you know, the films like Serpico, Mark uh, Wahlberg likes to, you know, relate the film Broken City to Serpico. You know, another gritty, like, film that's grounded in a reality, but at the same time, incredibly exciting cinematic experience. You yeah. Know? So that's the, that's the stuff that I like. Uh, but you've done a really great job, I think, in your career of picking these, a lot of, like, quirky, interesting uh, directors to work with, interesting projects. Is that done on purpose, or did you luck out with some of these things? Or well, um, you know, you know, Ben Hogan, the great golfer, uh, was asked one time. You know, uh, he's by a reporter. He said, "You think you're getting luckier?" You know, as you mm -hmm. go. He says, uh, "He said." Yeah, the more I practice, the luckier I get. Right, so <laughs> you know, but, just stay with it. So uh, I've, I've, you know, I, you know, I did a lot of work, and you know, some some directors started to take a liking to my work, and they asked me to work with them now, and so I, you know, but at the same time, what appeals to me is the script always. That's mm -hmm. the first thing that jumps off at me. But uh, for example, uh, I just worked talking about you know interesting directors. I just. Uh, Finished a movie well last year with Jim Jarmusch, uh, right. and the movie's coming out. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know when it's coming out. Sometime later this year, I expect, though. But uh, you know, you know, directors like Jim, uh, you know, are, are such rarities. You know, such singular talents that I just you know jump at the opportunity to work with a guy like that because he's a real artist. You know, mm -hmm. and he's and the, and there's a sense when you're on set with him that he's controlling the show. It's not the you know the money outside right. the the stage that's controlling it. We're not being dictated to by that, but we're trying to tell a story that's coming 
you know, from him, you know, from his mind and his heart. And so, you know, you feel uncompromised in that space and you do, you, you know, you do uh, interesting work there. So I like to, tr- I like to try to find, ex- you know, situations like that. But then as well, you know, I'll do, you know, bigger budget things like, uh, you know, Hunger Games I'm working mm-hmm. on now. But, but, but likewise, even in, you know, in that environment, it's a sense that we're telling this story. Obviously, we've got, you know, it's a huge budget and there's huge expectations. But at the same time, we're trying to grind at a story that, you know, we think is, uh, is uh, you know, is, is good stuff. It's based in literary content. It's, it's introducing ideas about violence and war and the consequences of war to kids in a way that we hope is, you know, is, uh, is, uh, is useful. But also we want it to be an exciting cinematic experience, too. So, I, you, know, I, I, I go, you know, every project that I do has its own purpose and its own reason, you know, and its own, uh, you know, its own sensibilities. You know? Well, the first time I remember uh, seeing you in a film, and I've watched this film so many times, is Basquiat. Mm. And that film... And I bet I watched it 20 times since then. I just watched it over because I had never thought as much about the subconscious. The fact that you could see the painter paint and know that it's kind of being unveiled to him as well as to the audience at Mm. the same time. Uh, For me, that was mind-changing in in the way that I look at any art. Wow. 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 Thank you. It's just, uh, it was such an incredible role. And from that point on, you know, I've always followed your career no i appreciate that i've always followed your career i appreciate that well that was you know that was a very meaningful story you know for me to be a part of because i had such respect for jean-michel basquiat the Mm -hmm. artist um who i think um is uh you know was maybe a shaman you know Mm -hmm. exactly what it was himself and so i had an opportunity to to be a part of introducing his story to a much wider audience and introducing his work to a much wider audience and i you know, so that was really gratifying uh, because, you know, I think the messaging that's within his work is so powerful and so, uh, you know, um, and, 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 and so rare. And, you know, the, you know, the celebration of, uh, you know, an American history, but through the lens of, you know, great African-American figures, you know, this, you know, this, this, this great, you know, homages to Muhammad Ali or to Miles Davis. And he's celebrating, you know, these, you know, in some of his work, celebrating, you know, these, you know, these figures that I too find are like kind of mythic heroes. And so, you know, he speaks a language that I very much appreciate. And I think that most of the time when he sat down to do it, he had no idea. Don't you think like where, what he was doing next? He just allowed it to happen. I think he, in that moment, yeah, you know, I think that's very true that it kind of came out of him. He he knew what was happening in that he had a very clearly a very deep intellectual reservoir that mm-hmm. he was pulling from and very uh specific interests uh from a uh, as a cultural observer and an right. observer of history and observer of the times. So uh, you know, it wasn't random. You know, he was coming from a very specific, very grounded place that was speci- that was you know uh, his own. And he, but as 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 far as you know how the art, the work flowed out of him, yeah. I don't think it was predictable. Yeah, whatever yeah. kind of filter that he put on it, he kind of allowed to happen. Yeah, that's why the stuff of crossing stuff up and oh, all, it's, it's just incredible. genius, incredible. But the the interesting thing is, we all should have went. And bought his paintings before you did that film, because they're hundreds of millions uh, of dollars now. And I think a gigantic part of of that has to do with the the love of people for that film. No, 
They do. Yes, I think you're. I think you're absolutely right. I think one of his pieces sold for about maybe about twelve to eighteen months after the film came out. One of his pieces sold for four point three million dollars, and yeah. it's all off to the races after that. It's you know? just phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I uh, I would love at some point. Uh, I wish I had had you know the uh, you know the, the capacity to get one of them because they were still pretty steep when we yeah, worked on the movie. They were, but um, but yeah, they've definitely been a boon to his market. Now, one of the things also about your career that's so interesting is you play so many real people. You've Mm. had that opportunity in Mm. your life. Is that an accident or is it? Uh, You know, maybe I'm too literal. I don't know. (laughs) But, uh, you know, I've played, you know, played Basquiat, played uh, Martin Luther King in a movie for uh, HBO called Boycott about the Montgomery bus boycott. I played Colin Powell in W. I played Muddy Muddy. Waters in Cadillac Records. I, you know, I don't know. People come to me, you know, once you do a couple and they're kind of interesting, then people come to you, you know, you're the biopic guy, you know. Uh, I try to pepper it, you know, with, you know, with, uh, you know, with fictional characters too. But again, the idea is always, well, not always, but most of the time is to see how we can introduce lives that I think are really important and mm-hmm. stories that I think are really important and historical to audiences who didn't necessarily uh, think about them. Like with Muddy Waters, for example, you know, that we could celebrate that music, which is the, uh, the you know the touchstone the origin of all modern music right it is you know? and especially american music american music yeah. that went around the globe and yeah. became you know the led zeppelin's uh, uh, version of the blues rock and roll the rolling stones Clapton but stones, nobody yeah. gives nobody to the extent that they should gives credit to the originators right. and you know that's what i think is very important that we respect the source of these things and recognize that you know a guy like muddy waters mm-hmm. uh, without him there is no Mick Jagger, there is no Robert Plant, it doesn't exist, and in fact, they and they are the first ones to tell you that to a man. To a man, when, when the British guys come in here, and I've had a chance to talk to so many yeah. guys from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, yeah. they know so much more about American music yeah. than Americans. Yeah. I mean, not only do they know Muddy, but they know who played bass. They oh, know absolutely. who was playing every single instrument. Guys that Americans have no idea right. who they are. Right. I mean, he was, you know, Medi was among the, in the first, if not, um, I mean, among the first three to electrify the blues. Right. You know, there was no electric blues <laughs> before that cat. And what's amazing about him is that he was illiterate, you know. Mm-hmm. He wrote all this music, couldn't read his I mean, he was just a superhuman to me. Yeah. You know, so that's why, you know, telling a story like that, I th- you know, I think is important. But, you know, and you look at, you know, the Rolling Stones, you know, I went to their concert. I went down at Barclays. I live in Brooklyn. I walked down to the Barclays Center, you know, it was great, man. I went down to see the Stones down there, and uh, um, I'm actually uh, friends with uh, with Daryl Jones, who plays bass, and with uh, with Bernard Fowler, who uh, who sings uh, sings backup with them. So I went down to check out the boys, you know, and I had so much more appreciation for them now. And I've seen them five or six times, yeah. But now seeing you know Keith and Mick, Mick they're ninety thousand years old out there, man, <laughs> and they're still killing it, man. And I was like, wow, it's possible yeah. to carry on and do it, you know, as long as you have it with you. There was it was incredible. But what I was most struck by, one of the things I was most struck by at the at the, at, you know, at the 
the concert was in the background. They would shout out these images at one point, and they shout out Sonny Rollins, huge image of Sonny, mm-hmm. Sonny Rollins, and uh, Miles Davis and Charlie Parker behind them as they did this set that was, you know, kind of a, a bit of a blues type set. And then Muddy, you know, so they were just paying homage to yeah. all of these cats who, you know, their audience wouldn't necessarily think would be tied to their music. And it was just so cool. It was like so... You know, I was so uh, so pleased to see that. Not only do those British guys talk about the the people they got from, but they talk about them every day. Yeah, everywhere you got, they never stop thinking. And it's really weird. There's something about the American culture where we do something and then we, you know, throw it away. Yeah, I mean, you brought up Miles. It's uh, the guy changed music time and time again. Yeah. And yet it never gets brought up in this country. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. You know, we look at. You know, I think we pay too much attention to what things look like, you mm-hmm. know, um, you know, with the age stuff, you mean, is it's like, no, I think it has to do with culture and race yeah. to some extent, you know, and not and devaluing certain, you know, certain uh, voices and certain images over others for some reason and being, you know, being caught up in this marketing uh, machine that does that as well. And, you know, it's the same in the film industry, too, you know, that we, um you know, we're, we, you know, we're told that, you know, uh, certain images or certain characters have power and, you know, those, uh, you know, certain others don't. For example, you know, we'll look, we'll go to a movie and the only time that we'll be introduced to ideas about race is when it's told through uh, the prism of a, of a white character. You know, mm-hmm. we have to, you know, we have to, you know, for a mainstream audience. And it's just a little odd, you know. It's just like, in, you know, when you look at MTV, there was a time when they said, you know, there were very few, there were no black videos, you know, black They had to fight MTV. to get Michael Jackson on. They had to fight, fight. And that was, the, it became the biggest album of all time, yeah. and they would not put it on. And look at MTV now, yeah. you know. <laughs> what would MTV be right. without, you know, uh, African-American images? And so I think, you know, um, uh, there are these odd obstacles that are still in place, these odd structures that need to be torn down. And, and gradually over time, I'm optimistic that they will be. But I think particularly in the film in the film business, they uh, they exist. Um, uh, because I, I do think that people are more open and more complex than uh, they're they're made out to be by marketing uh, machinery. Yeah. And at some point, the marketing machinery keeps us, the audience, Away from the art. That's it, right. it stands in between. So it really comes down to the audience where you have to say to yourself, I'm going to consciously go out yeah. and find stuff that is going to make me feel That's whatever right. it is. Because otherwise you miss out. You yeah, miss you out just on a lot miss out. Stuff, you, know, you, know. Uh, you see people standing in line to see some movies when there's other great movies in that same place that are sitting half empty all because they don't get 50 million dollar you know production i mean a marketing budget that's right you know so it's really back uh, to us all yes. the time yes and um, being independent thinkers yes i will tell you this though you brought up some people i guarantee you the best work you're doing is ahead of you i guarantee you man because i've been following you for a long time and it just keeps getting stronger well i appreciate that i appreciate it. let's see uh this uh Friday, uh, January 18th, Broken City is out. Jeffrey Wright, great to see you. I hope you stop by again sometime. I will do that. Thank you for having me. I'll see you next time. All right. Take care. Century. Doing something mean to it. Do it better than anybody you ever seen. Do it. Screams from the haters. Got a nice ring to it. I guess every superhero.
I love that dude, man. Jeff versus shit. Hey, coolest jacket you've ever seen walk in here? This is a badass jacket. That man's got style. You know our biggest problem? We moved to Brooklyn when we had the chance. It's, it's too so many people who were telling me like 10 years ago, moved to Brooklyn. I'm like, I just don't want to deal with the river, blah, blah, blah. It's the shit, man. I know. Should have went. Well, Hicks, you're a fucking historian. That's like junior Brooklyn now. That's what people call it. It's going to blow up like Williamsburg. You just, you wait and see. <laughs> I don't know if I want to be in a place that turns into Williamsburg, though. I'll be like that blowhard guy just fucking calling the police on everybody. Well, it's still like the really heavily Greek part that not too many hipsters are in. Hey, is uh, Fez on him signing Basquiat stuff? Yeah. And we got Julian on it? Mm-hmm. That's another guy. And Parker Post. You know, him, uh, Julian and, and Jeffrey did not get along. On the sun, the set? Yeah, I heard that before. I didn't bring it up to him, though, because to me, I don't give a shit about anything but the finished product. I fucking love that movie. That movie is the first time I saw it. I knew who Bus- uh, Busquet was, but then to see that movie and just the ridiculous amount of fucking stars that are in that movie, just like amazing actors. And then he's the guy who fucking is. You know, I got a it. theory about that, though, because they had a very low budget. I have the feeling that Julian uh, was. Um, just painting shit for people. Like, I can't pay you a lot. It makes sense. A painting. <laughs> that cast was ridiculous. But a lot of those people in that cast also are collectors. So Bowie, I believe, is a collector. Dennis Hopper definitely was. Dennis right? Hopper. Did you ever see what his house looked like? Yeah, I saw that. It didn't even have windows because he, he kind of kept his house like a museum. So it was basically this sealed box, and then like you were like walking through it, and there was these paintings, and there would be like this weird boat there. And we were like, okay, that's all like gorgeous stuff, but um, maybe you should have a couch and flat screen. Yeah, no. You know, you got to live here. Sang <laughs> out in the boat. What else did he do? He did Broken Flowers with Bill Murray, which is a really weird movie for anyone who's got exes. In their life where you go, man, that person I was so close with, and now I don't talk to at all, I'll go back and check on it. It just looks like the worst mistake you could ever make. It is. (laughs) It's just going backwards and trying to recapture something that's that's not going to happen. Even if it isn't recapturing, just figuring out what you did, (laughs) how you fucked up. I don't know whether it can be looked at, you know? No, your memory is going to... Destroy that. Or, or it's going to skew it so much that it's not going to be real. Well, the weird thing is I think it skewed it even when it was happening. Like, it's so intense that you don't realize at the time of the fucked up things that you say to each other. And when I say to each other, I really mean us to them. Like, the <laughs> fucked up things that men say to women. And just actions, thoughtlessness, just fucking, which is, you know, on par. It's it would be horrific. Like to me, the idea of hell is what people think of as the between, where you have to go back. Like the whole gimmick of Saint Peter, and you know Going when back, people say "see your life," all, yeah, I would never want to relive those things. What was that um, movie with uh, where he went and had to look at all those uh, films? It was Albert Brooks. Defending your life. Uh, 
I would just try to fucking cut my own throat in heaven. <laughs> Go to double heaven. If I just thought of how many awful things that I've said over the years in anger, I could never bear to deal with it. A- anyone would just... That's why the one, the one person I will never trust is anyone who's ever says to me, I'm a good person. Because I'm like, then you haven't examined your life enough. You have just, you're far too fucking easy on yourself. Or maybe like you're like a, a simpleton or something. I mean, if you even think about it, the things that boys say to their moms over the course of their life, you know what I mean? Like when you're a kid, some of the horrific things that you say or things that you take for granted, you know, oh. like, oh, yeah, she likes to fucking do this. You know what I mean? Like, I, I would get my mom fucking appliances and shit for like Christmas or whatever because you like cleaning, right? You're all, a new fucking vacuum. All boys do that, and they're so stupid. <laughs> they're back. so stupid. It's terrible. It's not going to make her happy or fucking glad. Because you have no idea that she's a person who no. sacrificed herself for you. <laughs> and you just think of her as somebody who, you know, it's is fucking nothing. 100% taken for granted. Where it's just... You know, let me just e- even say, you never even realize when you were a kid like this was a thing for me i would had like an aunt and uncle who didn't have kids and i'm like oh there's poor people isn't it sad rather than thinking well they're at least living a full life unlike my parents who just have (laughs) fucking blown their life uh tom you're on the run of fez show hey buddies yeah i just i just ronnie that was an awesome interview as as per usual for you but I just want to get out there to all the other drivers out there that, that are unfamiliar with Jeffrey Wright. The guy is fucking phenomenal. He will pull you in. To, I mean, even that, that work on HBO with Pacino, the Angels and Demons or whatever the hell it was called. Angels in America. Angels in America. That was fucking phenomenal. Yeah, he won a, an Emmy for that. Yeah. And that right, fucking, that right. thing is almost too tough to watch. That's, that's a rough I, one. I will never, I will not miss something that he does. The guy is just is one of those actors that has got the gift that will draw you in. The interesting thing about Jeffrey Wright is everybody who's good knows it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, everybody who's yeah. fucking good in the business, when you see the directors that call on him, um, they know it. But you know what What else is interesting? So many times actors come in here and they can't talk about anything other than themselves. And you can see a guy like him could just talk on Miramid. Of well, things, just his interests are all over the place. The beauty it. is, Ronnie, that you can pull it out of him. You, you, you converse. I don't know if it's the homework. I can't do, do it with it Chris and Fez, though. Oh, that's yeah, the weird well, thing about it. What? Like I honestly, and I don't mean this to be insulting. Okay, you've gotten dumber since no, you've no, started working with me. I, I, I'm oh, much smarter. Your interests are right now down to weed. I uh, speaking of weed. Yeah. There was a a thing where somebody said, "Oh, me and Rihanna are potheads." Somebody that she was working with, ASAP Rocky. Thank you. Here's what I don't understand. Maybe it's a generational thing. I would never get to the point where I was comfortable setting myself up for a bust. And I realize it's a lot less these days, and we're heading towards legalization. I just still feel like you can't fucking trust people. That thing, when it comes to drug stuff, that thinking's gone. I think with marijuana, I think it's probably still there with like coke or whatever. But see, here's the thing: 
if I was a fucking cop, I would honestly think a certain percentage of marijuana smokers are into a, a couple different drugs. Because why would you stop? I didn't. That's obvious. I never knew any. I When I hear people who said, uh, yeah, I smoke pot, but I never tried blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what? Why? What the fuck happened to you? You like like being stoned, right? Well, there's other feelings you can have, too. They're funner. Um, Doug, Boston, you're on the Run Fest show. Yeah, my mom flew up. Uh, I was in Boston in college, and she flew up from Pittsburgh for two days. And last minute when she got there, I got concert tickets, and I blew her off. She got oh, a hotel room for one night. And you've never, um, you've never lived that down, have you? <laughs> I hear about it once in a while. What was the concert you went to? I have a grateful dad, Oh, well, you got to go to that. Um, But see, here's the other side of it. Even when you don't hear about it, it's still there. It's still there. Like the time that they bailed you out of jail when you were younger, and they don't bring it up to it now, don't mean that they haven't forgotten about it. I was such a dick to my mother in college. Just him bringing that up, I, I fucking... Blew her the fuck off so many times, and I knew she just wanted to hear from her son because it was the first time I was away from home or whatever. I was up at purchase, and morning. she was going through empty nest. Yeah, she didn't have you there. Did that thought she did was, not go through my head once. <laughs> that's the crazy thing about it. What is wrong with us? Now the weird thing is, a guy who gives his mom too much respect is a fucking weirdo. You know what I mean? Like that guy's. Like that's fucking... a sick person who hasn't grown up yet either. It's just two extremes. It's, By the way, that's stupid Obey shirt that you're wearing after all these years. Yeah. Is that like 15 years old now, the uh, Obey it's, thing? It's vintage. Yeah, I think 89, I think, is when they started. Or 80, that sorry. early? 89 or possibly 83 was one. It's, it's sometime in the mid-80s. They, I they thought started. it was like late 90s. No, I think uh, he started doing that. It's, it's, they have like established 1980-something. Wow. Because I remember still seeing it all over the village. Late nineties, early zeros. That's when I like really. I think established. They it took a really, long time to blow up. They, didn't, they weren't really doing much with it in the late eighties. Well, I am glad that at least Andre the Giant had a chance to see that during his living years, because <laughs> I thought it was just after he died that people paid attention. To That's it. when it started really blowing up. When after he died, it's like, oh shit, where's all these fucking Andre the Giant stickers? Start actually like fucking after he's gone, they start paying attention. Unbelievable. All right, well, it is the Ryan Fest show. We've been through diseases, uh, art, and moms. You watch the Basquiat movie, right? Oh, yeah. It's fucking great. What's your favorite uh, of your, like, side actors in it? I love Benicio, even though he's not in it that much. He's so great in it, though. He's really good. And then he fucking bags up uh, Claire Forlani. (laughs) Well, you know who I like, too, is the, the guy who plays Rene Ricard, who oh, um, discovered him. That guy's really good, too. He's the gay guy, right? Yeah. Where he played a gay guy. One day, this is about five, six years ago, I, so I'm walking, I forget, I guess we were doing some kind of gig or something, but then maybe it was over at the Hard Rock, and I'm going past through Midtown. It's like about 8.30 at night. And the guy who played Rene Ricard, I don't know his name. He's been in He's a bunch Platoon of and, you know, uh, the Doors movie. He's done a lot of great stuff. He's coming in the other direction. He's got this long black coat on that's open. And he's carrying a wine bottle, but out in front of him, kind of like he's presenting it, right? <laughs> and I'm like, that motherfucker's off somewhere good. 
You know? He's living it up. There was something about him. He looked like he was walking two inches off the ground, though. He shouldn't. He's another guy. Should have been a spectacularly big uh, actor. Michael Wincott. Um, and he was the bad guy in The Crow, too. I'll tell you another great role that he did in talk radio. He was the weird kid who showed up. <laughs> You're the best thing on the radio today! <laughs> He's the shit. And they, you thought he was the killer, but he just had a camera in his pocket? Yeah, he was the dick. He was the fan. Um, here's uh, Ted Providence showing the Run Fez show. Hey, gentlemen. Uh, I, you were talking about the Obey logo with the Andre the Giant face. That, that's actually a, a Shepard Ferry design. <laughs> and he, he went to uh, RISD. In I want to say like the er, like the early '90s, not as far back as you said. It those things started popping up as a sticker around right. town at like skate shops that just said Andre the Giant has a posse obey, and nobody knew what it meant. Everybody just kind of like when I heard it, I, I heard it was a gang, and then I heard it was like a a joke, and then I heard it was a skate company logo. But all the all the punk kids wore it, and I, nobody had any idea what it was. But I don't think it was in the 80s. I feel 89 like was, was when he drew it. Well, then early 90s, probably by the time it's getting out when? there. I know I didn't see it till the late 90s, and when I did see it, I fucking rolled. I thought it was the funniest shit ever. And then Fez ripped it off for his Fez posse. Oh, Fez. <laughs> and um, it would have Obey Fez, and people used to follow Fez around like that. Um, here's uh, Matt Toronto. You're on the run of Fez show. Hey, guys. Um, my mom and uh, dad had us over for Christmas dinner. My sister and I started talking about uh, discipline that we'd suffered at their hands over the years. And uh, uh, my mom thought that the worst ever was when my dad would have taken the strap to us, the one and only time he ever did. But I told her the worst that I ever had was when she knocked me off a chair when I was about 13 years old with a smack to the head for something that I'd said to her. She was flabbergasted, had no idea that she had done that, couldn't remember it, and I guess it was so traumatic for her, she completely blocked it out, so that sort of stands out for it's me. It's probably no big deal. <laughs> it was a big deal for me, man. I landed on my, uh, on my keister, and uh, at the time, I mean, I was, I was 13, but I was certainly bigger than my mom, but I knew right then and there that uh, no matter what, I would never mess with her again. Well, Nancy, I'm glad you learned your fucking lesson. I'm glad Mama taught you the right way. Appreciate That's it. when I get into that non-spanking stuff. I'm like, stop it. That person loves that kid more than you ever will. What do you know? They care enough to discipline them. Who knows? Who knows what the right... Why don't we ever get around to the fact that we really don't know what's right and wrong? We don't know. We act like we do all the time. Yeah, we want to judge other people. We want to fucking have child services called on... I bet they got called at your house all the time, huh? No, but fucking Social Security would show up, and then I had to hide because my dad was supposed to be living by himself because we, he was scamming welfare. I don't know if I should be saying that on the air, but he's well, dead, it's all so done. It. I mean, go back and fucking find a dead man. <laughs> Ain't gonna happen. He's gone. Where are your parents now? Did you the cemetery or? Just, I have a couple urns in the closet. Really, you keep them in the closet. That's really beautiful. I, I, it's, I feel like it's morbid. To have the fucking urns. I feel like an urn's well, like a shrine. Well, why spread, spread their ashes somewhere? Wouldn't know where to spread them. They didn't really like much. Mm, maybe on the TV set? <laughs> Possibly. They love watching television. Um, That's really weird. Like, you wouldn't know where to put them. It's a weird relationship with my parents, obviously. <laughs> uh, Christopher in St. Paul, you're on the Run of Fest show. Hey, how's it going? 
What what can we do? I was just calling to let you know. Um, when I was younger, I had a little incident with my mom. I uh, she told me, you know, I said something to her, and she replied with, "Oh, it's in the mom handbook. Just just follow me." And I, I replied, "Well, show me the F in handbook." And she replied with a good backhand right to the face. Good. I just thought that was a pretty good little incident. I had. Good. Wake up, bitch. <laughs> um, hey, go back and listen to yourself now. It'll be so exciting to hear yourself from the beginning. And talking about your mom. <laughs> yeah, that's this is the part I said about my mom hitting me. It was really great. Hey, mom, listen to this. Remember when this happened? I was on the radio talking about it. Were you a kid that got hit, Chris? Or? Uh, my dad slapped me around a little bit when I was younger, but... It didn't, nothing like fucking like real serious or anything. It stuck with me. Um, that was a dick. Spy report. Spy report. Spy report. Spy report. Spy report. Hey, Wes, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, what's up, Ronnie? I just was uh, looking at uh, ESPN, and uh, Chris Mortensen came out and said that uh, Chip Kelly is going to be announced as a new Eagles coach, so I thought you'd like to know that. Wow. Holy shit. Nobody saw that coming. Uh, yeah, earlier this year when Fez was saying he, you know, how many people wanted him, I was like, just pick one. But, you know, I kind of, it, it wasn't that I think getting rid of Andy Reid, I know that they had hit whatever wall, but I just didn't like the idea of, yeah, but then what? Are you going to be like fucking Chicago and go for a Canadian coach? Just never. Why? I mean, and most college coaches, you, you don't know, but this Chip Kelly seems like he can make the transition. He was adamant about staying in college. Said it a million times, even this year. Yeah, everybody says that until until the last second. Uh, But he has shown that he, you know, he's had plenty of opportunities. The problem with most of these guys is they don't want to leap into a place where they don't feel like they can win for years. You know what I mean? That's just got to know that you're going to look at two, three. Four years. And you can get shit can in those years. Yeah, of slugging it. Like, no one can turn it around immediately. Uh, unless you have the, you know, there's the right number one pick to go for, you know? Like, there, uh, we keep talking about last year's class of quarterbacks, but then if you look at this year's class, it, there's nobody that jumps out at you. Uh, but most of the time, you really don't know whether some of these guys are going to work out. It's just still a crapshoot. No matter what their past shows, their size. I mean, go back over the amount of people. I had so many people tell me that this Colt McCoy was going to, you know. The man, right? Hall of Famer. Everything about him seemed like it was set up to be that. Now, did he get into the wrong situation? Or was he just missing something by... A quarter of a second read. You know what I mean? They don't, people who sit around and say this guy sucks and this guy is great have no idea how small that place is between greatness and just being an also ran. It's a very tiny thing. It's it's probably almost impossible just to read off a college career who's going to have it because they're playing against college players. Even when they're in the pros, like you look at Josh Freeman now. If he doesn't kind of go to next level pretty soon, you know he's going to sink down. You know what I mean? You know that you look at certain guys that should have been, had a bunch of rings and never got them. He's such Jaworski a- is a great example. 
Ron Jaworski was the guy who had the arm. If you look at him today, it's all about the head. How come he never got over? How come he never got his ring? He went one time only and got destroyed in that fucking game. Just embarrassed. How do you know? How do you know who the guy is? I mean, we could be sitting around now. Every, like this time last, well, a month less than last year, 11 months ago, we had the conversation on this show. Hey, it's too bad that only like a game or two uh, have kept us talking about New England being the greatest team of all time, Tom Brady being the greatest quarterback of all time. If they go back and win it this year, it's back. you might now have to say, wait a minute, he went there more times than Montana. He's got four He's rings. got four. And Suddenly what we were sure of last year. And at the time, <laughs> even if you would have said, what if they go back next year? Nah, it's gone. But now that you have a chance to see it again, maybe Brady can be the best of all time. It's such a small thing. And he's still playing at a... Like, there doesn't seem to be any drop-off this year on his fucking abilities. It's crazy. Or he could and, go back and be 3-3 three and three in Super Bowls. And I don't know where that puts you in history. You've gone to more than any other quarterback, but you've lost as many as you've won. Because a lot of that's just made up anyway. You know what I mean? Like, what you're saying is you don't know where it goes, where you put it. You put it wherever you want to. It just does, you're, it's never going to be a definitive thing. Yeah, just then you're just stuck in the middle. People could say he's great. People could say whatever. He's a choke artist. I mean, all you could do is compare him to the people he played with against, right? Who else is going to be up that for greatest quarterback of this era? What names would you put in? Peyton Manning. Uh, Peyton's only been there twice. So when you're asking where do you put him, mm-hmm. light years ahead of Peyton, who's <laughs> phenomenal, who's a great fucking player. And Eli's won two, but he never gets associated with greatness. It's Eli. Why would he? He's Seriously, fucking... <laughs> why would he? Is there any reason to? <laughs> no. I know he just was there. Plain, just the fact that he has the, the rings. Yeah, but I understand that. But would you argue for him? No, I couldn't Then why bring that. it up? Like, how come we don't? You know why we only, don't. Only, because he's Eli. Only in the world of New York versus fucking New England is he elite. Because he's beaten the same guy twice. It's just a, it's like a fucking freak. But he's, yeah, he has beat the best guy <laughs> twice. Both times it was an upset. It's great. It's a great story, but he won't be remembered as one of the greats. Unless, I don't know. Fucking wins two more rings. I don't know what's fucking happening. I don't even know if he'll go. I mean, if let's suppose he got hurt and went out now, would he go into the Hall of Fame? I don't know. For his ballot? I don't know. Because you don't think about him. And the fact is. That guy could walk down Broadway through Times Square to the village and not create a stir. You know it's true. You know that he is free to walk around town. Where Brady couldn't walk down Broadway. It would be a fucking madhouse. People would go crazy. If Brady wins this year, you might call him the best of all time. Definitely. He's definitely up there. Him in Mont- it would be him in Montana. No matter where you go with this, the guy is going to be remembered as one of the best of all time. He's going to be on a short list. But I could see them losing to Baltimore this week. The Anybody fucking, who doesn't doesn't fucking watch football. Uh, a, Baltimore is playing really fucking well, and they oh they play well against New England, and the split spreads eight and a half. Well, one of the things that seems to be happening in their quarterback, he seems to be peaking at the right time, and that's what it got Eli over. 
and that's what Eli lacks that some of the great quarterbacks that we talk about, is that he doesn't play at a high level. Two years in his life, the high level came at the exact right time. Yeah, took it all the way to the fucking Super Bowl. Anyway, I want to find out, is this Chip Kelly thing correct? That's the big fucking story. Yeah. That's the big story right now. CBS News, I see it. CBS Sports. Wow. Chip Kelly, it's the Eagles. Some website called Dog Pound. saying <laughs> it. Sports and Illustrated's reporting it. This is really funny because I'm just reading right now. I put his name in and something called Pacific Takes is saying, did Chip Kelly make the right decision to return to the Oregon Ducks to make another run? <laughs> Our Pac-12 roundtable is ready to discuss it. Oh, fuck. I got to get into that roundtable. <laughs> um, Tony, you're on the Run of Fez show. Buddy, it irritates me to know that Terry Bradshaw gets no respect. I mean, he had all the weapons and the greatest defense of all time, but somebody had to throw those balls. and He, has a he didn't throw many of them. That's the problem. He didn't throw all those balls. That was a running team, and like you said, that played defensive football. They asked uh, Bradshaw not to fucking, you know, have interceptions. And for most of Bradshaw's career, and you will hear it from the guys on the team, he blew. He was really stunk when he was younger, so he didn't have the full... I mean, he's in the Hall of Fame, and he's still able to jibber-jabber on that fucking show and never make any sense. So he gets money. Uh, and they're all but fucking propping him up these days. I mean, go back and watch it. And a lot of times when he starts to talk, you see fear in his eyes because he doesn't know what's coming next. Oh, Terry. Well, then he had that thing with the bucket of chicken that people freaking were freaked out by. It's, it's almost like you're just putting up with it. But I watch that show, and I'll just see him start to look around at the other guys like, what really? am I saying? Could someone do something for me? Oh, God. And then they all, somebody will say something, and they'll all laugh like, this is great. But they know he's slowly losing his mind. But, you know, he wouldn't throw much, and then he would throw downfield and let you know, Lynn Swan run underneath it. Wow, yeah. He, he threw for 3,000 yards twice in his career. Over 3, But 000. even like, remember when Lynn Swan was MVP? How many catches did he have that day? Um, 20? I, 20 in one day. <laughs> so you, that, you don't watch much either. Uh, Woody, you're on the Run and Fez show. Yeah, what about, uh, I know it's a different era of quarterback and everything, but Bart Starr won five championships, went to six. You know, the interesting thing about Bart Starr is he wasn't in the Super Bowl era, so those championships just get nixed. Swan and four uh, passes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I just, you got to put them up there, though. Oh, no, I, I definitely would. But it also was, you know, in those days, uh, you would just hand the ball off most of the time. Swan caught four balls for 161 yards and a touchdown. Four. Four <laughs> times he finds Swan in a game. Um, just 16 catches less than what uh, Fez thought he had. Uh, look who it is. It's our good friend, Hard Rock Johnny. Hello, boys. Uh, I'm on a little delay here listening online, but I think that your Eli 
thing about walking down the street is just the craziest thing ever because it's so true that he's such a like I was at an event Tim Tebow walked in the place went insane here's a guy who played like 30 plays this year if Eli walked in it would have been like oh the like nothing would have happened it's it's crazy when you look at it and and Hall of Fame I highly doubt that he's a Hall of Fame quarterback and this is the you know I love the guy worship the ground he walks on because he's he's great. But well, not that works with the ground he walks on, really. But you know, he he just he's just Eli. That's the I mean, that's the thing. Like, you know what? But the weird thing about it is that maybe his life will be so much better. Like he might be one of those guys who can walk away from football easily, not hang around. You know, still talking about other players and and bringing up the old days. Maybe this is the best thing. His personality is the thing that's going to make him have a decent fucking life. I, I think I think he will. I think he could walk away without a problem. I think that, you know, if you, I, I read a couple, I read an article in SI about him, and, you know, he, he's a little, you know, I always say that he's a mouth breather and he's a little special. And if you read the article, I mean, he had to be moved out of school because he doesn't test well, he doesn't comprehend well. Like, he's not all there, but yet he's like... They say he, he had one of the highest scores ever on the Wonderlick test, which is, you know, where they gauge all these players on mm-hmm. at the Combine. He has one of the highest recorded scores on the Wonderlick test ever. So he's not, you know, his football IQ is there, but the rest of his IQ, like, you know, that picture of him from the hurricane when he's just standing there staring at water, not knowing what the hell it is. Like, you know, he's it's just... Phone. Well, I think what happened when he was a kid, that is if his dad found him doing math or reading a novel, that he got a smack. Football. Get back on the field. Get back on that lawn. Yeah, it's it's it has to be tough. I would imagine it's got to be tough too, growing up with that kind of. You know, there's got to be a lot of pressure on you, and your dad's a good quarterback, and your brothers are playing football, and like he really didn't even want to play football at first. He really had no interest in it, and you know, it's got to be too much. That the pressure's got to be insane, especially in living in New Orleans when the team was so shitty when his father was playing there. Think about that too. Oh, your dad's the quarterback of the worst team around, like. That's got to be tough. Mm, yeah, but his dad was really? beloved, uh, well, he, you know, yeah, but, as a college player, and that team yeah. had nothing. So, I mean, you know, Archie's loved down oh, south. Just loved. They're, they're revered down there. I mean, yeah. it's, but it, it's got to be tough. And now he's going to the Pro Bowl now because, you know, someone else gets hurt. So he's you know, good. So, yeah, well, you know, you can always pray for injury for a free trip to Hawaii. Does anyone watch the Pro Bowl, by the way? Never. Why? I despise why, it. Why would you? I remember when I was a kid watching it because it would be kind of cool when I was a kid, but now it's just like some game that they just hang out and it's like touch football. They should just do like a flag football game for the for the. Yeah, I mean, what they should do is some kind of skills competition because what you really want that'd be cool. It's just all the guys out together having fun. I mean, it probably would be better if they did a golf tournament and just you <laughs> saw the guys busting <laughs> balls with each other because what's great about the baseball. Uh, thing it's a it's in the middle of the season. I just seen the guys standing next 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 to each other, but you don't get that in football because of the helmets. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you know, it doesn't have that. Hey, this is all fun because you're still all dressed up in your shit. Yeah, I, didn't they used to do a skills competition? I, I think I, that I used to be so. before the like some winter thing that they would do. They should just yeah, have like, them dunk. Just set up a fucking bed. man. Just like guys dunk. <laughs> The white receivers would be great. They should bring when back they, that thing where they're bowling against each other. Remember they would do those things? The network stars. Yeah, the network stars. The network All right, this stars. just got sent in to me. 
wouldn't anyone who have made 20 receptions in any game be the most famous thing that ever happened in the Super Bowl? The point is this. The sniper sniped and moved on. It was quick. It was crazy. And then it might, uh, it worked. Uh, Vin wants to bring something up about Eli. Vin. Well, before I talk about Eli, it's funny how you talk about the 20, uh, which we call it in a game. Uh, I think it was Dan Ross from the Bengals, West Walker, and Dion Branch have the most catches in a Super Bowl with 11. Yeah. So 20 is not even close. Yeah, um, I know, but he just threw it out there. He was, you know, yeah, having yeah. fun with it. Oh, it's good. Uh, thing about Eli Manning, it's pretty funny to me, and I do worship the ground the guy walks on because I'm only 22 years old, so he's the only great Giants quarterback I've seen. Uh, he seems like the kind of guy, like, you see Peyton and Brady, like, those guys are going to compete until they're 40-something years old. With Eli, I feel like when he's like 36, I mean, he has two Super Bowls. I feel like he's just going to walk away when he's not really done yet. Like, like don't you try to get that vibe that he's not going to be the kind of guy that's going to play until he dies? Yeah, the, uh, I, I certainly or, don't think, and I don't even see him hanging around football. He's I not don't going think to a booth. He, yeah, I, I don't think he no, gives a no shit. Way. I don't I know what he cares a- about, but uh, I think that's kind of cool about him. I think the privacy factor around e- Eli is one of my favorite things about him. It's like everybody else in public life, we seem to know every little bit about, I don't know who his wife is. I don't know if he has kids. I don't know where exactly where he's lived. Where does he go in the winter? I don't know shit about him. I think that's kind of cool. No, it's it definitely the, the whole, you know, gives him a little anonymity, and he just, he does what he does. And, and you know, you know you look at, like, quarterbacks, like, for instance, for the Giants. So he said a, a, other Giants quarterbacks. Phil Simms, highest passer rating ever in a Super Bowl, highest completion percentage ever in a Super Bowl. 150 is his passer rating. He, he's not even going to get a, a, a sniff for the Hall of Fame. No. Not even close. And, you know, because it, it was one great game. He was a great quarterback for the Giants. But, you know. I don't think Eli gets a sniff. I mean, this year will be nice for the Giants because you, you got to think that a stray hand will get in on first ballot and, and probably Parcells finally. But other than that, I don't see too many other Giants going in anytime soon. I don't see Eli just because he's got two, and, you know, two MVPs. I mean, you know, if there was a Hall of Fame for guys who beat the you know, Patriots, he'd be, you know, he'd be the king of yeah. them. Other than well, that. Yeah, the, he'll, always, he'll say, this is the great thing about him, I bet he would draw a crowd if he walked through Boston, uh, but it would be a scary crowd. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they would not be happy. But there is something great about the guy who just does his thing and splits. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Uh, all right, Johnny. All right, boys. Bye, Johnny. Talk to you later, bro. See you. Uh, we had a break here. I tell you time and time again, it's time to break. Gotta break. Uh, I saw the Fortune magazine thing was on TV with the best place to work. Oh, Sirius XM number one place. Love Isn't that it. crazy? Best wow. place to work. In the second was Google, oh. and then I think Wegmans came in. It's a fucking crazy list. Wegmans is beloved, by the way. People who work there just love it. I know um, that's a the fucking supermarket, right? Yes, it's a supermarket. I know the tra- I know a bunch of people work at Trader Joe's, and they they all fucking love it. They can't get enough working at Trader Joe's. Why? Well, what's so great about Trader Joe's? Uh, they they get health insurance yeah. like pretty quickly. Like they give everyone health insurance, and um, they just seem to treat have- people like humans. Yeah, they yeah, and they give them a chance to live. 
And uh, they just seem very friendly and laid back, and they just make it the. It's I will tell you this: Google is. They will say, um, "You can work out here. You can eat for free here. You don't have to leave. There's nap rooms." Everybody who will go to the show for a few. Um, when you get home, we'll have a mint on your pillow, yeah. and you'll get a free massage and you go to bed. It's like the firm, like they have the, the Google Town. Where <laughs> the firm, Ben, is that one scary movie for that? It is. Yeah, this is great. Right, you should we're, work here. We're all in it together. <laughs> what? Look at this great house. You're your neighbor. But I don't even work here. I'm just married to the dude. <laughs> like it was one thing for Tom because at least he was doing something. But his chick, I was really like, like, why would you want to hang around? That's his life. She got a raw fucking deal there. All right, what do you think makes a place a great place to work? Um, not be not having like a bunch of like strict rules on it, but like a little more relaxed. Trusting your employees to do get their job done. Do you feel like you're trusted here? I think so. I don't think I don't feel like I'm fucking got people around my shit. I feel like I'm trusted. Yeah. What do you think, Fez? Makes a good place to work. The the uh, a lack of micromanagement where there's someone over your head constantly. It's really interesting. Neither one of you guys came up with money or benefits because once you get to work, yeah, you don't think about the money. You know what I mean? Like if you paid anyone a million dollars more, they're not going to work a million dollars harder. It's either that person is a worker or he's not. And whether you're underpaying him or overpaying him, it doesn't normally change how much work they do. You know? It's their work ethic and that's it. Money is just to take care of the home stuff. It has nothing to do, you know, it's great and sometimes you'll worry about it and shit when you're at work. But it really doesn't make for a great place to work. You have to be, I think, kind of challenged at work. And what both guys, you said, you don't want to be overly managed, which means you want to be trusted. Now, in the case of Chris, we let him pick pips, and we let him uh, decide on whether or not what pips' schedule is and what pips does. That's right. And that's been a mistake. Oh. Because pips has been stealing. And actually, you know what? And from yesterday, hitting on interns. Hitting or raping? Oh, gang. A possible gang. Po- a, a possible gang rape. Probable. The investigation probable. isn't completed yet. Well, it is complete because we're not going to do anything. <laughs> I mean, it's it's open-ended. You know what I mean? Like, sure, it, more we, evidence we, could come in. No, I mean, we won't. We don't have anything to decide because we haven't done due diligence. It just came to light, that's all. <laughs> yes, it came out. It stayed there because we didn't really get on it. How do you think it is to work here, Pips? I actually love it. I think this place is great. See, a lot of it, and by the way, we might have the guy I now call Catholic Joe might get hired by the Catholic Channel. Send Catholic Joe in, and we need some kind of Catholic music for him, too. Just nice and Catholic. And get away from that old stupid Kokomo song, which I despised. Here's Catholic Joe. Hello. So you interviewed with the Catholic Channel yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Yes. How did it go? Did they ask you a lot of Catholic stuff? They, yeah, well, they asked how I felt about God. <laughs> really? Yeah, Whoa. they did, yeah. Isn't that weird? At most jobs, you would not be able to do that <laughs> in corporate America. <laughs> so you might even get some mic time there? 
That well, they're interviewing a few people right now. They're going to give you some running around time next week, right? Yep, some running, yeah, and I'd be like shadowing, shadowing their engineer, and then uh, from there they're like, well, whoever we hire would start off as like a board operator, but then we'd want to incorporate them into the show, and I was just yeah. like, I can do that. I, can, I like, I can talk. Um, that, um, there is a lot of my grammar's really well. Is what and I'm I know we had a Monsignor here, maybe even something higher, Cardinal. Yeah, we had Cardinal Dolan here. He's actually really popular too, as a cardinal. They had stay. They uh, had steak and shake. How long did he play for them? What's that? Uh, how long did he play for them? He not that kind of cardinal. <clears throat> yeah. Oh See, God. that's the kind of stuff yeah, that get yeah. you fired over there. Oh no. How do you feel about God? Uh, well, I'll, well, I'll tell you what I told them. I, I grew up Lutheran, and I haven't really been to the church since. Why wouldn't you just say I'm a Catholic? Well, the lady who was interviewing me is Jewish, actually. All of us are Catholic. We can help you with the Catholic stuff. Okay, all right. Oh, yeah. Learn prayers and yeah. ro- rosaries. Yes. Yeah. Hail Marys. Be- Hail Marys. I'm pretty good at those. We know it all. Okay. So, yeah, that's that's where I stand. Well, I hope you. Uh, I hope it all works out. So you want, what makes a good work environment for you? Oh. What, what, what makes a place a good job? Uh... The people you work with, you have to get along with because you work with them every day. That's interesting. Yeah. Because you don't go out and look for any of those things. Like, like even what Fez said, you can't go into a place and go, look, I don't want you to micromanage me. You can ask for as much <laughs> money as you want. You won't offend them. That you can the ask for any benefits, but you can't say, are the people here cool? And do you promise not to fucking be on my balls constantly? Like, what do you hate about being managed, Fez? Uh, just that it's hard to work when someone's looking over your shoulder. Why? Because then you're just thinking about more mistakes. I think I can work with someone on my shoulder. I just feel like I want the person above me to trust me. To know that yeah. I'm fucking... I mean, I pirates did it. They had parrots on their shoulders. Pirates and parrots? Yeah. They... I'm going to send this to the Catholic Channel. Don't. Hmm. Don't yeah, don't. I'm trying to clean up my <laughs> Yeah, don't say any of that. <laughs> um so you're saying as long as they trust you, do you feel like you're trusted here? Yeah, I feel like I'm trusted. See, I think no matter where you work, the only thing to man- matter is is who's the person right b- above you. You could work for the worst place, but if that guy's cool, you you think, well this place is cool. You could work for the best place, but if that guy's a dick, you're fucked. Your life is screwed. And I've worked at radio stations where we would say, we're getting rid of this motherfucker. We are going to make his life such a living hell that we will drive him out of here. Oh, my God. He was that, the guy was that much of a dick? Like, I don't know. We were oh. also kind of <laughs> shock jocks at the time. But if we felt like he didn't fit in and the general manager would go after a certain amount of time, look. This has got to change. We've got to make a change here. Um, the guys, you're good, but the guys just don't respect you. And they, 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 he would make a change based on that. And he would say to us, you guys were really dickish to him. You didn't give him, you know what I mean? He, you didn't give him the right chance that he deserved. He did a lot of good stuff. And we would be just like, no, he is a dick. And he was ruining this place. <laughs> we knew. <laughs> It's a very weird thing in that you can get away with it. But if the guys... See, the weird thing is 
he has to trust you, but then you have to trust him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If that doesn't happen, if you got a guy that you can't trust, like I think that we're lucky here because we got Rob. Yeah. At first, since it was all new, we didn't know anyone. It felt weird. But as time has gone on, I've grown. Well, yeah, you didn't even. You you used to work in a place (laughs) where Don would only come in every once in a while. Probably the most unique fucking work experience in that respect where we could drink and smoke in the fucking place. And it was fucking literally a party after the fucking shit was over. And he and your boss worked uh, 500 miles away. (laughs) So weird. (laughs) But he was pretty cool, too, you know? Oh, yeah. But it's really weird if you don't work in that place. If you don't work in a place that will say, give me some of your ideas back. Do you have? You never want to have that job where you feel like you are handed assignments and you go and do them exactly the way you're supposed to and then hand them back. That's how you get burnout, in my opinion. That's how nobody grows. You're truly like a cog. Yeah, I just want, I would want to feel like at least I'm contributing something, you know, like I'm making a difference to this company. Or else you're going to act like they just don't give, it doesn't matter whether I'm alive or dead. You know what I mean? Because that will happen to you. But the other weird side of it is I've had jobs where when the job is over, you don't think about it again until Mm -hmm. the morning. Then you wake up and go, oh, fuck, I got a job. And that's kind of great, too. You know what I mean? Like, it's really great. That if you find out that there's a problem at work, you don't feel like, I don't give a fuck. It's, I'm not yeah, there. Yeah. That place could be on fire for all I give a shit. Um, here's Art in Pittsburgh. You're on the Run and Fed Show. Hey, uh, Joe. Uh, I got to ask you a question. You got to think about this a little bit. I mean, you take the job with the Catholic Channel, and they probably have a thing where you're not allowed to have uh, premarital sex. You know, on on the job, and so uh, you're gonna have to wait till you you uh, get hitched up before you can have any sex again. So yeah, I think I think twice about taking that job. I mean, I uh, would have to read the contract. I would take it right now just if I was it. you. Just do it. I would take it right now, sight unseen. <laughs> Fucking jump in. Um, here's Phil. You're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, buddy. Hey. Hey. Um. So right out of college, I got a job. Um, you know, paid great. It was, you know, in a time where not a lot of people were getting jobs and it was going to be awesome. And uh, the the college I was working for was fantastic, but my boss was a cunt. She, she worked on fear and and all sorts of things. And I, I left, and now I'm going back to school to become a teacher, and it's going to pay for shit, but, you know, I, I love it. I'm, I'm trying right now to go teach a class for free. You really like teaching? I, I love it. It is so much fun. I'm going to be an English teacher, and I am having a blast so far. I've just kind of been given free reign with this uh, group of junior kids. I think that if I was a teacher, I'd end up killing a kid. Would I'd be on YouTube. <laughs> I'd have a freak out. They'd get me I, out I would be the reason why they should not arm teachers, because oh, I would well, fucking turn them on a kid. Would you? that? Would you say- that definitely. My my mom uh, was a teacher for thirty five years, and I looked at her and thought I could never fucking do that in a million years. But would, would you say I, that the you know you teach the kids or the t- kids teach you? Stop it, seriously. Uh, How do I reach these kids? <laughs> I think mean, every movie moment possible, but yeah, it's definitely uh, it's more rewarding than anything I've ever done, no matter the money. Um. So. 
Let's see uh, some of the folks right in here. Lack standards on sexual harassment and a lack of an HR supervisor they look for. Uh, this person, Echo Pirate, says, I was unaware Fez does a lot to be micromanaged. Hmm. I've always thought about being a teacher. Well, I mean, in the sense that I would be a really cool teacher and just, like, give them a textbook and be like, everyone, turn to page 10 and rip it out. Just rip it out. And they're just looking at me like, what is this guy doing? I'm just like, just do it. Yeah, we've all seen Robin Williams movies. So that's not... uh, Oh, is that where that's from? Yeah. Oh. I think I'm going to start micromanaging Hicks. Okay. Oh no. <laughs> All right. Let's go. Let's do it. Whatever. See, I don't even believe that if you got guys, you should even tell them what time to get in and what time to leave. You should just say, "Here's the job, and you got to get it done." No matter what time it is. Like, does anybody say that you guys should or should not be in the building? <sighs> no. No, I've never... I've never heard that come up. I don't think so. I just fucking make sure I'm here before the show starts. That's a good idea. That's because <laughs> that's the thing. It. That part of it, like you can't go wandering away <laughs> during the show. Which oddly, with Fez, we've kind of been a little lax on that. Where a lot of times we'll go, "Where did he go?" He'll just he'll literally disappear out yeah. into the hall. Hmm. What don't you want to be micromanaged on, Fez? Well, I think it's it's a thing of just constantly the checking in. Like, it, you know, if the phone's constantly ringing in the office, and is that done? Is this done? Have you had bosses like that? Oh, uh, when I worked on the car lot, I did, where it was just nonstop. And would actually stand there and watch me park and wash cars. Hmm. You must have been really bad at it. Which is difficult to park a car straight if someone is actually watching you do it. Uh, Charlie, you're on the Ron and Fez show. Ronnie, I'm sick at work. They're all mad at me. I'm here at work, so I can't hear that well. So <laughs> Fez doesn't like to be micromanaged. He talks three minutes a day on a four-hour radio program, only if it's about himself. Am I? Am, should I go home? Because like, I think the coworkers are really mad I'm here today. Yeah, you ought to go home, dude. Love you. <laughs> You know, but make sure you puke before you go, and then go, I got to get out of here. Before you go. You go over yourself. And then yeah. lick the banister on your way out. Oh. Do we know that he works in the second floor? Let's check on that. Um, here's Joe. Joe, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, boys. How are you? I just wanted to say I work in a, a wine shop, and basically I get to try new wine, sometimes pretty expensive, and different spirits all day long. And... uh I get to get a little tune up at work, and it's part of my job. Um, that would be a great job, I think, as yeah. long as you're not an alcoholic. I would love to be drinking wine all day. Like, there's the one thing that you don't understand at school is how stupid people are, even in the top of yeah. a lot of great corporations. Because... Here in, we get to meet a lot of people from different businesses, marketing, and you would think, the you know, we're in Midtown, New York, this must be the best of the best. And I see a lot of people where I'm thinking, you're as dumb as anyone I've ever went to school with. Come off yeah. as obnoxious dicks. So, some obnoxious and just some just not good. Yeah. This, just some not there. 
I kind of feel like that way about Donald Trump sometimes. You know, like he seems smart. He knows well, how to make about, money. The, very the thing well. about Donald Trump is. Would he be able to work for anyone else other than Donald Trump? I mean, you do have to give the entrepreneur the thing of at least it's theirs. They're the yeah. one who's making sure they get paid and they live it. But could Donald Trump, would if he gotten a job running a major corporation, it's sure hard. Yeah. yeah. There would have been a board meeting to oust him as CEO. Yeah, like whatever. would he be able to run NBC? I don't think so. There wouldn't be enough Donald Trump programming to fucking fill in the air. I think they would just finally say no. But see, I will give the entrepreneur the break. Like you can come in in a big cowboy hat if you own the fucking building. Like um, <laughs> Ted Turner, I thought was crazy as a loon, but it was his thing. He risked it. He put it out there. Um, here's Matt. Matt, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, when you made a comment about uh, how you just. Didn't tell the guys or wouldn't like to tell the guys what time they have to come in as long as they could just get their shit done. That's exactly how I run my business. Yeah, just, that's uh, the thing. thing. I mean, in our, just in our micro sh show, we're like, you know, here's what you're supposed to do. Do it your way and, you know, don't fuck up. Don't, you know, if the, if the weekend programming is loaded, good. But I'm not going to tell you have it loaded today or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. I I think that the, the, the places that you hate to work is where there's an exact schedule. And yet I know some people need to work an exact schedule, but maybe if it's their own, yeah. you know? Yeah, I'm, I want to micromanage managers of microscopes or macromanage managers fishermen of mackerels you never know where you're going i don't I mean, know that's the, Holy shit. you start a to talk yeah. and it just it never ends it's good exciting never ends on a high note though it always just peters <laughs> off into that didn't work sure, i'll tell you who won't put up with it that is catholics up and then it comes to, they oh, regiment no. i mean a catholic really here's the interesting and this is different the protestants never understand this a catholic mass is the same mass at the same time all over the world they they everybody if there's a topic it comes up at every catholic church not just one Whoa. wow yeah that's a corporation that you better get used to it i'm going to i'm um, part of that now going to wear black Hopefully. mike you're on the run of fez show hey ronnie be a million bucks did fezzy just say it's hard to park a car straight all right let did me help here it? do what i do and ignore put that over with 20 catches uh, put that over with let's um, ban high-fiving. Act like it didn't happen. And that's beautiful. Um, here's Justin. You're on the Run of Fest show. Hey, buddy. Hey, yeah, you know, two things. First off, I don't micromanage my guys. And uh, I'm out here. We're kind of fourth generation on a big cattle ranch. And uh, we've got a cowboy that work for us. As long as we're getting it done, I don't micromanage my guys. And you're right, Ronnie, about the entrepreneur thing because, I couldn't imagine working for anybody else. There's some highs and some lows, but the idea of working for somebody else, I can't imagine it. But see, the weird thing is most people couldn't imagine going to bed at night thinking about all the things that you have to think about, debt and making sure that you you know make all your payments and being responsible for it. I agree. I most agree. of us are irresponsible in yeah. the United States of America. Oh, I am very all right, thank you, my friend. Cattle ranching—that's something you ought to get into, dude. Cattle That'd be ranching? good for you. Yeah, 
Yeah, I could pro- – that would be good because then uh, yeah, I could save people and be like, I saved your hide. Yeah, but you, then, you know what I would do? I'd yeah. say, do me a favor, bring Joe in. Joe, yeah. I don't micromanage you. I let you do things you want. You brought back three cows. <laughs> and that is – Yeah, but if you see the size of these cows. <laughs> They're big. Don't get me wrong. I know. They look really healthy and good. But you, you've <laughs> honestly, you're missing thousands of cows right now, <laughs> and I need you to go back out there. And I know it's late, and you better. They find said it. they're catching up. Uh, Matt, in the story, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ron, how's it going? Um, one of the problems with like micromanaging is I, I recently became like a manager, and when I was just a regular employee, I always hated micromanaging because I'm like, I'm responsible. I get my work done. Don't bust my balls. The problem is now you become like middle management. You need to have like a team of people get something done. And some of them are just lazy. And some of them just aren't hard workers. So you have no choice but to micromanage them. Because, I mean, I don't have the authority to fire anybody. You know, that's above my head. So it's, you know, you're screwed. You have to do it. And you treat them more like the way I would treat a computer program than I do a person. Because I'm just like, I can't trust you to make good decisions. I just have to hope I give you something and you get it done. And yet, I guess you're treated the same way by your boss because you're you're not even allowed to fire people. You know, it, it's tough. It, it's weird because with my with my boss, I was never micromanaged when I was just doing my work. But as far as my management responsibilities go, yeah, I guess I'm treated the same way, and it's it's tough. But it's also just hard to find people because you know my my boss has been managing a lot longer than I have. And she tells me, you know, it's like, you know, the devil you, you know, the devil you know is better than one you don't, or whatever the saying goes, is that I might get rid of somebody because I think they're a bad employee, but they're really not that bad. It's just, you know, I don't know what it is. It's, it's but see, I think that that whole system is set up to at, maintain at the very most. The people that are afraid of change are the people that cause the, the any business to be slinking down. Because if you're not growing, you're shrinking. I don't even know if you're shrinking, Stop but at the very minute, what is the whole purpose of leaving the house in the morning? You want to have some kind of thing in your life. Mm-hmm. And this whole thing of better, I mean, all you guys sat around this week and the, you were all pissed off because John Fox didn't go for, uh, for it yeah. on fourth down. And then you have to say to yourself, do you go for it on fourth down? Are you the type of person who would rather risk it or do you punt? How about you, Fizz? Um, I would have punted. But I mean in life is what I'm trying to say. In life, are you the go for it on fourth down guy or not? What about you, Chris? I like to risk it, and, or even if it's a reckless decision, because I've I've, I've, I consider myself reckless and stupid at times. Do you consider yourself a winner? Tough. <sighs> No. Do a lot of the reason why you go for it is because you hate yourself and can't wait to get to your failure. I, God, I hope that isn't it. I don't. And I was surprised by Fez's because he told me that he was mad about John Fox's play calling. So I thought that's what you were talking about. Uh, here's Mike in DC. You're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie. If I was a teacher, I would impart life lessons through Capoeira and hip hop. Um. I would have. Here's what I would do if I was a teacher. I would teach Shakespeare through hip hop. There was a guy named Will who lived a long time ago. You know, like this way they understand what, yeah. you know what I mean? They can like, relate, yeah. Yeah. I mean, basically, and this is going to blow your minds, but Bill Shakespeare 
was an MC. Got everyone. And his rhymes were fat. Here's Bill. You're on the Runafest show. Peace be with you. And also with you. And also with you. Hey, so talk about new that. Hey, Charlie, I've worked for a lot of Fortune 500 companies. You were talking about stupid people in Manhattan. It's that way all over the country. It's a wonder anything gets done in any of these large corporations. Why are we so dumb? I was fucking too much dope. I just wonder. I mean, the, the reality of it is most people that you talk to just want to kind of like daze through a day, right? Mm-hmm. Like people that would rather be surfing online rather than working, You, the day would have to go so much slower. Then if you're just looking around for cat photos. Yeah. You run out of shit. Well, I mean, there's so many cat photos on the internet. Let's not beat around the bush. But they're all the same. It's a cat. All adorable. Endless. Uh, and overfed. Th- <laughs> this, uh, this, this story, I read this story this morning. Verizon just busted a dude who worked for them for outsourcing his own job to China so he could fucking go on Reddit. And Facebook all day long and dick around. Really? All right. So, what kind of job did he have? He was uh, a software pro- a software developer for Verizon. Okay. So Verizon said to him, "We want you to get this job done." Yeah. And we're willing to pay you X amount of money. He was making six figures. Okay. Then he went in his po- own pocket. Yeah. And paid other people to do the work for him. He found a um, consulting firm in China. Um, and apparently he had this uh, developing jo- uh, software development job with a few other companies in the in the, in the the neighborhood he worked in. He's making fucking fat six figures, pays fifty grand total a year for China, these guys in China to do the do all of his work for him, send it back to him in America, and then he just dicked around online all day long. Wow! He outsourced his own job. Now let's just you know let's just fucking play with this. Why would you care? The work was getting done, right? Yeah, it was it was good work. Like these, these Chinese programmers were doing everything fine. The only reason he got busted was because one of the IT guys saw this weird fucking connection from America to some fucking city in China, and they're like, "Why is this happening?" And then found all these invoices paying them to do his work for him. Now here's the thing. Let's say years ago you hired a guy to fucking do addition for you. Yeah. If he went out and bought his own calculator, would you have had a problem with that? Or let's suppose I say I'm hiring, I, I hire Chris to mow my lawn, and I give Chris $50. And he sits around, and he turns around and gives 25 of that to Catholic Joe. The work gets done. Why would I be mad at Chris? Because I see him drinking yeah. iced tea. The, <laughs> yeah. the, I'm paying $50 to get something done. Mm-hmm. It gets done. Yeah, Why Tom should Sawyer I bitch that. about it? Tuckleberry Finn, that stuff, you know? This guy got shit canned in short order by Verizon. They weren't they weren't too happy. That wouldn't work here though. Like I can imagine if Pepper outsourced his job to China, and then you guys were on air, and then Pepper, what are you talking about? Are you, you speak All right, English, but let's do this. You know? Let's suppose, uh, and we'll take it. Let's suppose the, the that Sirius found out. Oh, Opie's having jokes written for him, and then he he pays for it out of his own pocket. And then he delivers them on the air, right? Yeah. Would Sirius be mad at that? As long as they're getting the product that they want it, 
Why would they complain? Now, I know that Opie wouldn't be able to stay home and send another guy to work, (laughs) right? Yeah. So he is showing up. I don't know whether or not that this is a problem if they were happy with what they got done. I mean, if anything, this just goes to show that Americans get paid more than the people in China, and that's why we end up losing our jobs to them. <laughs> uh, yeah, and the, the IT guys actually found what his daily day was. What his, it's up on it's up on <laughs> okay. All right, this is all right. 9 a.m., he gets in, surfs Reddit for a couple of hours, and watches cat videos. 11.30 a.m., takes lunch, gets back at 1, goes on eBay. Then from 2-ish to 4.30, he's on Facebook updating his status. And then 4.30, he sends a fucking email to, to his management saying, like, oh, all the work got done today, da, 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 updates. And then he goes home at 5. And that's his work day. But did all the work get done? Yes, yes, all the work got done. It was good work. It was fine. There was nothing wrong with the work. So why do they care whether the guy is on eBay or cat video? If anything, the guy's costing himself $50,000 a year. If anything, he should be outsourcing it to jobs in Detroit, keep that out in the country. So, yeah, yeah, but they would want to get paid the same amount of money he was getting paid. That's the problem with it. Yeah. This sounds like they're pissed just because they got fooled. Like there's somebody sitting in one of their offices that they walk by and they think is working his ass off on this project. But what is the difference? I feel- what is the difference? Do you want someone to sweat or do you want them to accomplish what they're supposed to be doing? So let's say in the terms of radio. I don't, if I had a, a, a guy coming in and co-hosting the show. It wouldn't matter to me whether he worked full-time or drank full-time and then came in and kicked it up. All that would matter was, is he getting it done? That's all that matters. He, get, he, he figured out a way to do I what mean, he wanted to do. I don't sit around and go, is Chris smoking pot right now or is he <laughs> looking for stuff online? I mean, it doesn't matter to me. If someone said, is Chris a good producer, I would say yes because he accomplishes everything that I want. How he gets there, that's his fucking business. It's my process. But I'm not like, hey, Chris bust his ass. But when we get on the air, he has nothing. <laughs> you know, it's the same with like you go to, you listen to a fucking band. You don't care whether it takes them 10 years to write a song or five minutes to write a song. If someone said, we wrote Satisfaction in three minutes, you're like, well, that blows. Oh, come on. I'd yeah. rather somebody just slaved over a song for years. Um, here's uh, Marshall. You're on the run of Fez show. Hey, guys. Um, is there anyone in the world less self-aware than our own Fez Marie Wadley? If anyone in the world needs a micromanager standing over his shoulder, it's Fezzy. Uh, we saw it with Paul O. It's, it's obvious he needs someone watching over him. The reason the therapy doesn't work is he's, he's bullshitting the therapist. He needs micromanaging more than anyone I know. Um, that's between you and Fez. I'll let the two of you. Fez had some great comebacks there to put you in your place. Here's uh, Kyle. You're on the Run and Fez show. What's happening, everybody? And uh, Ron, I just uh, put that guy who uh, outsourced his own work. If you just hypothetically paid the guy a million bucks, just to say, mm-hmm. he goes out and spends fifty grand, you could have spent fifty grand instead of paying nine hundred. But that would be no. your fault. Like yeah, there's yeah, plenty of times, like I'm saying, if you know most middlemen 
only get paid because they have the expertise. So if I call up somebody and I want them to put a, a, a back deck on my house, right? Mm-hmm. And they, I say, what does this cost? And they say $8,000. And then later I'm going to come back and go, wait, I found out that this is what you paid for concrete and wood. And this is what you paid your Mexican workers. You overcharged me by 5000 No, my deal is with that guy. There's no such thing as overcharging. It's what the market can bear. And if you tell me I could do something for fucking 8000 it isn't up to me to say, I want to make sure all that money goes into supplies. That would be crazy. Yeah. Guys don't get rich. Unless they know how to cut those corners. And make that fat profit. This, yeah, Verizon, and Verizon fired him because he was outsourcing it, even though well, the work was fine. See, here's the thing. I'm going to fucking play the other side because I don't have anybody else here to do it for me. I'm sure Verizon has company secrets, a way of doing things. It's really up to them of who they want to see their work. Yeah. Um, What's really amazing about the story is that Verizon, like, found this guy, but I could I only get two bars in my apartment, and they could find this guy, like, putting their energies into wrong areas. The Catholics are going to hate you. Um, Bob, you're on the Verizon? Run Fed show. Yeah. Hello? Yeah. Hey, this is uh, Bob from Texas. Um, with this the Verizon thing, that could just be like a, a contracting or copyright issue. If if something goes wrong with the software, or if you know down the line it, it blows up and is you know massively popular, this company that did the work in China could still own the copyrights to it. No, I, I actually made that point. You, I mean, Verizon has. I have no problem with them. You know, you have a right to say, "Look, I hired you to do this job, not to take it to outside places." We're just basically making conversation here overall. I don't, I don't think that this guy would have any suit against, like a wrongful <laughs> firing. But it really doesn't matter to me what he, you know, the fact that he sat around. Because they actually have to put blocks on fucking people, computers. Yeah, actually, and this guy sent, like, he has, like, a security token, mm-hmm. like a thing that generates a random password for him to log into his shit. He just FedExed that to China, to the fucking people. To, I'm like, sure. I'm sure. This is the laziest fucker ever. Although, I have to say this. If I was a screenwriter, I'd be writing this up right now. Because it's really funny and would be perfect for, like, a, a Will Ferrell-type movie. Uh, Mitch, you're on Run Fez. Hey, uh... To your point about Opie outsourcing outsourcing his jokes, what do you think XM would or Sirius XM would have a problem with more? Uh, Opie doing that, or hiring an on-air talent for a full day's worth of work and only working maybe ten, fifteen minutes a day? You guys are hitting Fez when he's having a bad day. What happened to you today, Fez? You're being very quiet. Yeah, I was having a good day, and then just all of a sudden got very nervous. Well, there's a weird thing. You and Chris changed things, and you seem like less involved today because you're on a different mic. That could be it. Just the weirdness of... There's nothing weird about that. It's just a different mic. I mean, yeah. I, just, I have more buttons in front of me now instead of a computer. Or is it this topic? Uh, no, no. It's not the topic you, of what makes a would you ever place to work. Would you uh, ever consider outsourcing a lot of your work for, let's say, a low-level flashlight and saying, here, 
You do what I used to do, and I'll make sure you get a low-level flashlight. Oh, come on, man. My phone has a, your phone has a flashlight. Look, look, it's, it's a flashlight. It's hey, awesome. It's, it's also bright. turns turn off the lights. Let's say hell. It also turns into a strobe light. All right, let's do it. All right, let me go to the strobe light. I mean, this is a pretty powerful regular it flashlight. Is. Like, it is. It's very useful. I love it. I mean, it's an app. I can't even see you. It's so bright in my face. Yeah. Thank you. There's more. Where's the strobe? There we go. I always forget which one it is. There we go. What? Okay. When you really get the strobe <laughs> going, um, then... Uh, me and Joe will have yeah. a silent movie fight where it's just, <laughs> that's always the fun thing to do in front of a strobe. Yeah. Here we go. Here's what? a strobe light. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, shit. They're really having a silent movie strike. Badass. <laughs> I, I mean, you could have just started really waving your hand. Oh, my flashlights are, you know, fucking smartphones, dog. Also, it looks like, that, like I read something that this concept came from some book called The Four Hour Work Week. Mm-hmm. Where um, they they advise people to outsource your job so you'll have more time to do creative work. Oh, I remember that, okay. Bob. But this this guy, instead of doing more creative work to have time to you know, do something he loves, went on Reddit with the cat videos. <laughs> <laughs> and instead of trying to build his build yeah. business. <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems like they would need him to be in charge of this project, and if the Chinese people are doing the work, how is he on top of it? Well, like he's already how- passed it in. The work is good. The work was fine. At 4.30 every day, he had to submit his work, right? And every day, they're like, great. This is great. Yeah, and it's no only when they found out how he was getting to that work that they were pissed off at him. But I think the only, the only downside of this, and I... You know, I played devil's advocate just to get it going. But I'm sure every corporation is worried about their copyrighted material, yeah. their sensitivity material. I mean, it came up in that story yesterday over the hopper where they're going, look, I don't give a shit if this is the best possible way. We think that you've come up with a great way to steal from us. It's you perfect. How, uh, it just makes me want to get the hopper more now, though. How long did this go on for? At least six months. That's all. That's how far their logs went back. So this could have been going on for like wow. years. Like this guy just fucking chilled. Um, he should have went to office space after that. <laughs> uh, Jerry Balmore, you're on the Run Fest show. Hey Ron, how you doing? Good. Hey, uh, I, my nephew told me a story this summer. Uh, when he was like thirteen, fourteen, he uh, his dad said, "Hey, listen." Uh, Keep the yard going. You know, I want you to keep the yard cleaned up, uh, cut it and everything, and I'll pay you. Well, he saw a group of Mexicans doing it to uh, a couple neighbors down the street, and he subcontracted them all summer long. And uh, in the fall, his, uh, his father found out and got a little pissed. <laughs> his father should be happy with that story, honestly. <laughs> his father should say, my son's going to move into management. Fucking hustler. <laughs> it was a good story. All right, peace. Hicks, I'm starting to worry about you, though. How so? I think and I'm now I've got a feeling that you've been subcontracting on <laughs> It'd have to be some real fucking budget-ass contractors. When are they making the Chip Kelly announcement so I can I honestly get around to feeling optimistic? Because <laughs> I don't want to feel like a Bucks fan, where I honestly believe we're getting Bill Parcells, uh, and then he doesn't come. Twice. 
Uh, Matt, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, what's up, buddy? Yeah. Uh, I think Ronnie brought it up a little earlier. Uh, we were talking about uh, maybe the degree of the job there. I think if it was Ice T, Verizon probably wouldn't have mattered. But uh, I know as you brought up, I mean, maybe it's, you know, he's developing something that uh, Verizon doesn't really want to share with people in China. Yeah, it's, it's, it, I'm sure that was the, the point of it. Um, here's Frazier. Frazier, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey. Hey, I don't know what the difference is between that and some uh, boss or uh, some guy, you know, any, anyone having their assistant or intern doing all the work for them. I mean, it happens all the time, too, and they don't It absolutely about that. does, yeah. And then that con- person is considered a great manager because instead of him just doing something, he's getting a lot of people to do stuff. All right, thanks. All right, we should break here, uh, Chris. Yeah, we should break. Uh, when we get back, what do you want to talk about, fellas? I'm going to get you in the show today. Uh, just this uh, freaky picture that's on the eye bang of a woman right before she's gored by a rhino. How about you, Chris? The uh, remember we talking about the the guy associated with Reddit who lost himself. We had no idea what was actually going to happen to him. Yeah. Well, there's some details have come out, and I'm just to say the least very surprised. All right, we'll be right back with that and more. It's the Ron Fez show. Show on a Wednesday. Seems like it's like a fast week so far to me. So far, I'm expecting it to slow down. Who knows? It could go fucking bullet time any given second. I think the suburbs around New York City have got snow, but we only got rain here There's because some... nothing will happen in Judgment City. Uh, all right, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Lots of great stuff over at the iBang.com. The uh, Jenna Elfman uh, interview is up. Uh, the guy with the train in his uh, basement is one of my favorite things. And then um, a video. I'm going to play this a little later on in the show. But I call it Hicks of the Future. It's Gary Busey talking about The Hobbit and how much he he loves The Hobbit. And something Hicks is going to get to in just a little bit called YouTube Director Debuts. Now, I purposely, I saw this and didn't go over to look at it. I'm only going to predict wackiest thing ever because I had no idea anybody could be good on YouTube. But I'm going to keep an open mind to see if you could turn me. 
But Fez, you had something on your mind. Yeah, this, uh, there's a photo on the iBang of a woman, and she's out on one of these safaris in Africa where you go out and you see the animals. They get out of the truck. The safari guide says, oh, there's some rhinos. Let's get your picture. Actually says to her, no, it'll be a better photo. Get closer to the rhino. So you see the picture on the IB wire. All happy. Seconds later, this woman is gored by a rhino horn. Where it punctured her chest, punctured a lung, broke some ribs. Now let me get this straight. We're supposed to feel sorry for her? Yes, she was set up to that. The she fucking went and stood next to a rhino. I think we all know that rhinos attack. You know what I would have yelled though? Getting a little hot inside these rhinos. Everybody forgets about pet detectives. Two, those two. Now, Hicks, you've never been outside of Astoria. Nope. Do you know that rhinos attack? Yeah, they have that giant horn yes. on them that they, they, they evolved to use to kill things. I could give a fuck about this woman. Just like the same way with people who are like swimming and shark infested, you know. Oh, they had chum tied to their ass. Yeah, you're going to get bit. I wouldn't take my picture close to someone's dog thinking that there could be an attack. So you were correct. Yeah. But she at- was tricked. She's not tricked. She's a moron. Look how close she's standing to a rhino. She was bamboozled. I think that's a racial term. Oh. No idea. I don't want to be seen as racist. All right, Chris, what do you got for your YouTubes? Okay, this is the... I put together this five on YouTube. Direct... YouTube guys found directors. Mm Mm-hmm. It's the five. Yeah. <laughs> we got you expected intro. to hit. It's the five. This is the five. All right, first of all, that's very blunt in that song. But did we get the monkeys back together? Is that who did that for us? No, no, the, monkey, the monkeys were not the ones. Who to... was behind that? Oh, that was uh, that was Jason. Jason fucking sent that in. Jason who? Oh, put his last name out there. Is he a listener? He's a listener, yes. All right, let me hear it again then. It's the Kind of a quick stop there, but okay. I'm liking the new five song. All right, so you come up with YouTube director debuts. Yes, these are guys who were pretty much were unknown to Hollywood, mm-hmm. and then they get a bunch of heat off a short film they make on YouTube, and then they get fat contracts. Before we even go into this, I had no idea this was true. Yeah, I thought we were looking at guys whose dad dropped something or their cat jumped out the window. So this is guys who made fictional things on YouTube. And then Hollywood uh, takes notice, either producers, directors, whatever, the studios take notice. They see this thing. It's getting heat online. Then they're like, wow, this guy has great vision. You, I, we want you to make a movie for us. Mm-hmm. The, first, uh, the first guy, the guy that kind of blew this up, the first guy that was uh, really to get the giant movie, Neil Blomkamp, you know him because he directed, wrote District 9. One of my favorite South African alien movies. It's up there. 
he it became from a movie called Alive in Joburg, which was pretty much the same thing. It was about the alien infestation in in uh, in South Africa, but just on a much smaller scale. So here's the thing, if I'm correct about this. These are the guys who figured out how to do special effects work much more cheaply yeah. than Hollywood even knew. That you could do this on your computer and it would look just as good as... Some very, very expensive $100 million Hollywood film. Yeah. And now they're starting to use a lot of these. Oh, my. Oh, yeah. The, 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 the fucking short films are, are looking like Hollywood CGI that has $100 million budgets. So this guy made, made this short film, and then four years later, he's directing fucking uh, District 9, the mo mo major motion picture produced by Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson got associated with it, and it makes like $200 million off of... This 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 tiny short, that's six minutes long, and he blows the fuck up. And now he's he's directing uh, Elysium that's coming out with Matt Damon. What's that about? Year. More aliens? Aliens and uh, sci-fi. All right. So that's it. Now coming out this weekend is the movie Mama, and that's by a guy named Andre uh, Andre Samuschietti. Him and his sister made a short film called Mama, uh, and then. Universal Pictures sees it, teams up with Guillermo del Toro. Now they're making. This is only a year ago they made this short film. It was three minutes long. It's about these two children being fucking scared by a monster. They give them Mama the motion picture. Jessica Chastain's in it. And is now, this another CGI movie? This is uh no this this there was a tiny amount of CGI, but it was real, mostly just these two kids running away from their fucking a scary monster. Did I, you watch the short film? Yeah, it's only three minutes long. Is it good? It's okay. But Were you scared watching it? I was a little scared when the mom comes up. Is the mom like a monster? Yeah, she's a monster. You she, know it. Fucking know it, man. Yeah, mom is a monster. But they just took like this short three minutes, and then they turned into an entire uh, motion picture that's coming out this weekend. That I was did, a year ago. Did anybody ever react to Fez's thing when he dressed up as a zombie and went around and said hi to people in Times Square? I don't think the studios picked up on that yet, mm -hmm. but, I mean, it's out there. Sometimes these things don't happen immediately. And then, you know, in a few years, oh, someone sees it, and then, bam, you can fucking make some money for yourself. You're a fucking Maybe baller. Gary Marshall could run with it. That'd be great. Hey, by the way, if I was the mayor of Gary, Indiana, I would make Gary Marshall the marshal, the unofficial marshal of Gary, Marsh, of Gary, Indiana, and then he would be Marshall Gary Marshall. That would fucking freak people out. I don't know if they would freak out. They would be weird. Right, yeah. Is that the mom right there? Yeah, that's the mom. And she's like a monster. Oh, God, that was fucking <laughs> wow. scary. That makes me want to really do something. Makes me want to give that guy a lot of money to make him film. <laughs> and then, yeah, Guillermo del Toro gets behind it. And he's now that, fucking weird as shit, too, right? He's very strange. He saw it and was fucking all about it. And now this this guy, Andre Samuschietti, and his uh, sister are fucking ballers. Okay. And all, all these short films are on the iBang on the five. Then they're all, nothing's more than like six minutes long. So. Oh, everything on here is one of the short films that was picked up. Exactly, yeah. The, all um, right, this is pretty cool. Neil Blomkamp said. I, I would say this. You've told me two things I don't know about. That's right. I like right. that. Let's see if it starts to run out, though. <laughs> all right, uh, Federico Alvarez. He directed a short film uh, that was a, like a sci-fi robot film called Panic Attack. It's the guy's from... Uh, South America, he makes this short film on his free time for 500 bucks. And it's just about a robot attacking a small town in, in South America. 
Right, let me see if the robot looks real, though. And it looks like any other movie robot. And he made it, you know, in his free time. Universal, I believe, sees this. Flies into Hollywood and offers him immediately a $30 million fucking movie deal. Off of a fucking four minute and 49 second short film. Which is, it's, it's on the, I mean, you can watch it. It's out there. It's, See, here's the interesting thing. It's like maybe that we'll realize that all the people who like these blow em up monster movies should just be on YouTube instead of in the movie theater. It's where it's going. I mean, this, this ro- these robots look like they could be blown up any city. But believe me, this is every movie that G-Baby jizzes to. <laughs> like, you'd be like, this is fucking so awesome. Look at that building blow up. Look, it's, it looks fucking like any movie. Yeah, it does. And this is all this stuff that they act like. Now, all they really need is to put Matt Damon in that and have him say, look, there's Matt Damon. There's one <laughs> actor who's stuck in the middle of this shit. Just watching all. All right, this shit. is all up on the iBank, Chris. I gotta tell you, so far I'm impressed. Yeah, and so this guy Federico Alvarez, Sam Raimi, hooks up with him. Now he's directing the Evil Dead, the the remake of the entire series, and that comes What's out. What's Sam Raimi gonna be doing? Why that's happening? He's producing it, and he chose this guy off of just the work, just off the work of this one fucking short. They impressed him enough to fucking put a helm. Well, I guess they realized like, hey, this dude can work with a budget. You know what I mean? It's fucking nuts. And this happened, like, really quickly. Like, as soon as this thing blew up online, people wanted a, wanted a piece of this guy. All right. I like these stories because I didn't even know about them. Now, here's one that uh, came out last year. This guy, Dan Trachtenberg, he directed a short film based on the Portal video game. The Portal video game was fucking gigantic. The first one blew up, then Portal 2 came out, and it got even bigger. Like, there's, there's no, the internet loves Portal. So he creates, he writes, writes, directs, and produces this short film of basically real life Portal. He has there's some CGI in it, but you know it's mostly just actors. Right. He is now helming the Why the Last Man, a comic book. It was a a pretty popular comic book. He's the the director attached to Why the Last Man, which is going to be a giant comic book movie. It's one of the few comic books I read because uh, what's his name wrote it? Our buddy Brian K. Vaughn. Yeah, Brian K. Vaughn. I wrote it. It's actually pretty terrific. So he's going to get to do this all based on the fact he did the small thing. Yeah, just a, a seven-minute short film based on a video game. He just took the, the storyline of Portal, changed it a little bit, and produced and made a short little film. Bruce, you're on the Run and Fez show. Yeah, it's not exactly what y'all were talking about, but Joe DeRosa has some really good little shorts up there on YouTube. He's got great stuff on YouTube. His, uh, Cheat was great, too. He directed Cheat with yeah. uh, Bob and them. And, uh, but anyway, it's not exactly where y'all are at, but I just... No, I I think that that would be cool. What DeRosa is doing um, goes to show that you don't have to wait until you get greenlit. You can start and shoot stuff and say, look, here's how it would work. I think the guys who did Always Sunny first did it online, right? Yeah, they uh, they, they did it all themselves through it online, and then uh, Fox saw it. Have bought. you ever seen any of their early stuff, like before they were working for Fox? Any yeah. their... when, I, when I heard when I first heard about it, I was like, "Wait, what? A YouTube fucking yeah. a YouTube video got him a fucking series on the network?" Then yeah, I watched it. How was it? It was good. It was like the show. It was exactly the same as the show. It was pretty close to it. I mean, just you know, higher production values on the show now because they were just doing it on no budget. 
I want to watch it. Make sure you send that to me. And did they have Danny DeVito in their YouTubes? No. No, he came in second season. Okay. <laughs> and now the fifth director, because this is, this is pretty new. This is only, this, these guys, even if they made the shorts a few years ago, mm-hmm. they're only, like only in over the last two or three years are these things actually getting made. But it's going to happen more and more now. People see these guys are fucking blowing up and getting giant films because of their work on YouTube. Okay. And, and the last guy is uh, Ricardo de Montreal. I can't, Montreal. Can't, no, Montreal. He's a, he's a guy. He's from he's from South America, and he Canada. No, South America. Montreal. If you check the map. Montreal is in Canada. But this guy, that's just in his Quebec. Name. Yes, which French, is a Providence and not a it's French state. Canada. Yeah, they speak French there for some reason. Well, it's because the French How discovered long ago, that. Though? How long ago did the English come here and you fucking people freak out and speak Spanish? They could they could adopt the English, the French Canadian. No, you sound like somebody from Toronto bitching. <laughs> I like it when I go up there. It's like, you know, it's like. Never been. Hmm. Well, it is six hours away. So why would you go there? It's, it's fucking crazy drive. This guy, uh, he got he released a couple films in Latin America, but no one was really paying attention to anything he was doing. Then he makes a short film called The Raven. He shot over two days in L.A. on, again, no budget. Um, but there was some pretty good CGI work in it and a decent, it's basically like a small superhero tale. And Mark Wahlberg and his producing partner buy up the rights. Is this guy set to direct and Mark Wahlberg set to star in, this, uh, in the, the actual movie The Raven. Is what he called his short, and they bought every, bought it all up. What about Raven? I wish it was that Raven. That guy had it tough. So all these things are special effects things, though, huh? It's yeah, from the ones that that got picked up. It's all the CGI work. It's either horror or science fiction. How come no one's interested in fucking stuff, guy? That seems like it should be picked up. We have to get a guy who knows CGI and throw some robots in it. Maybe Dave can fuck a robot. Now we're on to something. And then um, finally get picked up. But here's the thing. Can I just tell you the truth? What I think is Dave's biggest problem? What's that? He's got to take his dick out. He just, that's actual fucking. I mean, he's really grinding stuff, guy. <laughs> that's my opinion. Bring that up tonight during the sports show. All right, I will. Like, maybe it's time for us to step this up a level. But see, then we won't be able to get on YouTube. They don't want dicks on YouTube. What was the uh, secret phrase I had you do today at that time? Was it sl- slapdick? Slap yeah. Slapdick, 15 that my, times. That was my favorite show. <laughs> then a lot of people said you didn't say it enough. Oh, I, I fucking, I, I put a montage They also said it. you mumbled it. And you oh, please. seemed like you cringed your way through it to him rather than enjoy it. I had about fucking 25 slapdicks. Oh. That does sound creepy and weird. Mm. We got to come up with an idea. Something scary, like oh, yeah. a really scary movie. Scary, scary with like robots, because three out of the five films here are have robot CGI in them, and now these guys are fucking Hollywood players, or soon to be. All right, I got a, I got a, a, a fucking horror movie for you. Okay. These teens, they go into, oh, like they're like camping or something, right? Uh-huh. They hear something out there. Uh-huh. Fucking guy comes in. And he's got a nice pick for a dick. And he fucks them until they're dead. That's gruesome. My idea for this would be called Ice Pick Dick. I don't know if you can get the dick part in the title. We'll just call it Ice Pick. And Where's the CGI going to come in, though? Because we're going to need CGI. 
Is he like shit ice cubes sometimes? Oh, so he's like a total ice freak. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing. Has the Robot Attacks movie ever been done opposite where there's this we nice... We attack robots? Yeah, there's this nice little robot planet. They're going about their daily lives. And then you just see giant humans. Well, we'd be regular-sized humans, but just stomping on their shit. The problem would be this. You've got to get a robot audience to go to that. And that... You would be terrified. Yeah, and they're not going to... They don't spend the kind of couch we do. And they don't eat popcorn. And like a toaster can't fucking move. Dave, you're on the Run and Fetish Show. What's going on, guys? Hey, Pepper, that's great work, man. You did a lot of research on that stuff, a lot of time on it. Would you contribute, uh, Rhino? That's mean. Come on. That's fucking mean. He wouldn't stand next to a rhino. And I agreed with him. I wouldn't either. Because it could fucking run into you. It has a giant horn on its fucking face. Like, it's not like it's hidden. I mean, Jesus. I mean, really. It's showing you its weapon. You used to get involved and put stuff together. When's the last one you did, Fuss? Um, uh, I think it's been a while. It was probably... Uh, what was th- it? I think I did the five on um, chewing gums that you can't get anymore. Oh, I like that one. What was the date on that? I'll find out. Great. The worst part about the rhino thing is the Chinese. Because people like to cut the fucking rhino thing off and snort it to fucking get their dick hard. Dude, I fucking, seriously, I snorted some of that stuff before. My dick was like an ice pick. I mean, it was just, I I was busting ice with my dick. It was great. You can't be doing that. That's just encouraging them to cut more rhino horns off. Well, it gave me the idea for my horror thing, ice pick dick. Now, the weird thing is, I guess it's going to have a guy with, like, a really thin but sharp dick. I don't, yeah, I don't see many fat fucking ice <laughs> So that might hurt us. Yeah, look at this thing. It's fucking needle. And then, like, someone's going to go, ah, oh, your dick's so fucking thin. Yeah, it's as sharp as an ice pick. And then he fucks no, him to death? Uh, yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I mean, we're spitballing right now. Well, maybe he starts out like having a normal life where he's just breaking up ice with his dick, and then all of a sudden what? something goes wrong, and he starts using it for evil and killing. Yeah, but we never see a backstory with any of those killers. You know what I mean? We never even find out. It's glossed over. Yeah, we never see, like, oh, he was a normal dude one day. He's just really the guy out there. I googled ice pick dick. But you got a guy putting an ice pick <laughs> into his dick. And this is his dog shitting in the background. That's good drawing. <laughs> Fuzzy, what do you got there? Uh, it was early December. All right. So, six, seven weeks ago. Not be, not, not bad. Oh, man. Um, I'll do a five. Top five actors who should be ice pick dick. All right, it's time. I uh, got Jeffrey Wright's home number. Shit. It's fucking pretty solid, actually. Uh, Scott, you're on the run of the show. Uh, hey, buddies. Uh, yeah, when we're talking about the uh, pioneers of, you know, Internet to true industry, uh, we're forgetting South Park guys. Well, their thing was, in, theirs was like a tape or something, VHS. right? It was VHS. Yeah. It was before It was even Internet. pre. It no, got... it, it was, yeah, it was an email uh, that they sent out. I think it was to some Intel exec. And, uh, it was no, well, it was a Hollywood email. deal where somebody was supposed to do it. And it did get put up later. But I think that you were right that it was handed out as a tape or a DVD. It, got, it literally got people made copies of it and started passing it around. Yeah. Come on. 
Um, Dave, you're on Ron Fez show. Yeah, you got to just shorten it up, Ron, and make it an uh, ice prick. Hold on. Hold on, you're on to something. Ice prick. That's better. It's more, I think people like that better than ice pick dick. I don't know. Prick is more acceptable than dick. But ice prick, I mean, if you're going from the murder angle with the with the definition of prick, it doesn't sound all that deadly. To be pricked to death? Yeah. Then you might be onto something, Fess. But I'll fool people. And they'll be like, oh, they mean dick. So then you get fucked to death. Ryan, you're on the run of the show. I like seven. Yeah, hey. Uh, so bringing up an idea you had a while back, uh, live action movie of Piss Baby. Hmm. Babies is just piss a lot. Well, you uh, you brought it up. It was uh, back a car- It was a cartoon you had uh, kind of spitballed a while back, maybe three or four months ago, and a uh, perfect way to you know cram it with some CGI, get some laughs, and uh, you know uh, start a new trend. I don't remember anything of Piss Baby. You guys, I think uh, Piss Baby like drank its own piss. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, drank his own piss. Was that before or after the five chewing gums you can't get anymore? I want to. I want to say after. Okay, we've been waiting for five more chewing gums, not for sale. Well, eggs. Hey, I like the, your thing. It's up on the iBang right now. It's great. You can watch all the short films. They're definitely all worth a watch. They are fucking. They're short films. It's tiny. It's and it's they're they're professionally done. They have a small little story in it, and all of them got picked up. All right, now, Blue Hill, Kentucky uh, said, Why the Last Man is a very liberal-leaning series. Any chance to poke fun at Republicans is taken. I read half of the series and then stopped. Um, Rorschach, Road Rash Hicks says, I hope E-Rock puts his movie online. We can only hope. Why the last man only male model, only male mammal to survive? Women were unaffected. Well, the monkey too. Uh, Anthony, you're on the run of Fez show. Yeah, how about you uh, call him Richard, and then you can still call it Ice Dick and get away with it. Um. Maybe that's the thing, that when he was a kid, people teased him about his thin dick. Oh. And then later, he got so angry, he just started fucking just pricking them until they died. <laughs> it's like, uh, like a couple of cops are looking like, there's over a hundred puncture wounds in this. But each puncture wound seemed like it had its own dickhead. <laughs> Dying little mushroom fucking shape wounds. Any word back yet from Jeffrey Wright if he wants in on this? No word yet. I want him to play the part of Inspector. Oh, he'll be hunting down fucking Ice Pick Dick. All right, and also let him know that he'll be wearing a patch. I mean, we're only going to tell through flashback that he got an Ice Pick in his fucking eye. An Ice Pick Dick. Holy and that's why he just can't give up on this. He has to hunt the guy He's down. the only person who's ever uh, escaped. Wow, it's weird that he's a cop, too. Yeah. And he ends up hunting down the guy that hurt him. This is yeah. exciting. 
Well, he got fucking, it happened because he was a cop. Okay. I thought maybe it happened when he was younger. You know what? Maybe your idea is better because then it could be like, did you ever get fucked in the eye doing a pale moonlight? You know what I mean? Like something <laughs> like that. I like the idea. Of... This is coming together. Nice pick, Dick. Shoot, nice cum everywhere. That scares me. Yeah. I didn't even think of ice So, cum. like, does this cum come out cold or just the dick is in the shape of an no, ice It's freezing cream? cold. Holy fats. Probably a that's fucking body defect. It's freezing cold and it comes out really, like, dangerously fast and sharp because it's going through such a small, thin, narrow opening. Oh. Fez is going to be like one of the nerds that knows everything about our movie. Like, he'll know, like, every bit of it. You know, in frame 472, the dick didn't look that real. Is that CGI? Hmm. I'm liking this. Uh, there's a picture of the new guy running for president of Czechoslovakia as a full face tattoo. And uh, <laughs> this will make them the most sideshow fucking movie ever. Uh, two more subway deaths yesterday. Yeah. Totally separate and at the same station. Like They were like 45 minutes apart. Minutes apart, yeah. Why the city doesn't take up that company's offer who said they were going to put up barriers for free? They would pay the half a billion dollars to put, it, to put them up. What's in it for them, then? They said they would trade it all out for uh, subway advertising. For what? More barriers? No, they would have, like, uh, I guess they, they be advertising. Get, I guess they would get to sell the ad space. No, we're not. In subways. No, we're not playing that fucking game with them. Fuck that. Then, then we have no control over what ads go in? Nope. Then it's just the free reign of the barrier company. It's crazy. And how is that going to save the guy who was shitting in between cars? <laughs> what the fucking train was going. He's going to be an exception that falls through the crack there. No, his crack. Oh, man, covered in shit and fucking just run over by a train. Blows. What's in the Fezzi said? We got uh, about an hour left in the show. I want to make it about Mr. Watley. Um, well, I was thinking with this Czech presidential candidate that I hope he gets elected because it just kind of makes it look like one of those Star Trek scenes where they have the Federation of Planets and it's all these just different... If, if you look at them, it's more like that uh, X-Men. The toad, the gay guy that would go jumping oh, yeah. around. Nightcrawler. I mean, that's coming. not. That's nothing but just fucking just taking a crayon, a blue crayon, and rubbing it all over your face. It goes He'd have to have my vote. Really? Yeah. I figured anyone who could take that is able to lead our country to beat Ice Pick Dick. It goes down. You gotta get chest. that out of my head. I'm just too much into that. Well, you know, we could try to cast this guy as the president for the film, like the president of you know the world. Because I don't think Ice Pick Dick's gonna be in Czechoslovakia. Uh, Rich, you're on the Ronnie hey, Fez show. Hey, Ronnie Pepper, you rule, man. Hey, Ronnie, if we want to get Fez involved, can we make some gay robots? I don't want it to be all gay stuff with Fez. All right, you you bring a lot more to the table than just your. Hope to be gay, Nisbez. What's on your head today? What's happening there? Um, the the video that the NRA has put out calling the president uh, an elite hypocrite. Mm -hmm. 
It's because his daughters get Secret Service protection. Right. And the president is apparently against uh, having armed teachers, armed guards in public schools, of not bringing more guns into schools. So they're calling him an elitist. His daughters are a possible political target. First families have had protection since uh, McKinley got shot. Right, but what they're saying is, you're saying that guns are bad and then you have armed people protecting your families. It's the same thing that the, the, you're, you're playing into their defense and the hypocrisy is you're enjoying the armed protection and yet regular people can't have armed protection. That's what they mean by it. No, that's uh, what they end with the commercial is, you know, he's against gun-free school zones. Yes, right. we should work towards gun-free school zones where no one's able to bring a gun into a school. Right. No matter what the purpose is. Yeah, but you're asking about the hypocrisy, right? Uh-huh. His school is not going to be gun-free because his children are protected by guns. Right, but it's it's a necessary thing. It's like that's police what, having guns. It's like the army having guns. It's exactly what the NRA is saying. It's a necessary thing to arm people to stop bad people. I'm just letting you know where the hypocrisy uh, word gets used. You would be a hypocrite if you had something but then said it was bad for everyone else. Like a hypocrite would be if Chris Stanley was around telling everybody not to do blow and then he fucking did coke all night. Then these pe- same people should be in favor of Iran getting a nuclear weapon. Well, they're not in our country. No, but it would be the same hypocrisy. We have nuclear weapons. Why shouldn't another country have them? It only plays to what they're, what uh, what's important to them. Did the NRA say they don't want Iran to have weapons? I haven't heard an NRA uh, Iran statement, but... I'm sure they would be more than willing to sell uh, them that. Um, Scott, you're on the run of Fez show. Yeah. Yeah, Fez, again, you're starting to talk without knowing what you're talking about. Schools right now are already gun-free school zones. Yes, exactly. Hold on, please. I have a concealed carry uh, (coughs) weapon permit, okay? I cannot... All right, but I didn't say they weren't already gun-free zones, so don't start lying to begin with. Why are you already angry? What is... Hold on. He, just, he called in saying, I don't know what I'm talking about. Well, you don't know what you're talking about, but that has nothing to do with it. Let's let Scott make a point. All right. What I'm stating, though, and what the NRA is stating, says, is that by not allowing us to be able to carry, you're uh, giving a target for any criminal to know that they're going to not have any problems as far as someone else with a weapon to go up against. So they're able to go into these schools and do whatever they want. Okay, where the president and and the president's children, their school has armed guards. Okay, where that way no one can come in and just shoot up the school, not just the president's kids. So by making it a gun-free zone, myself, I cannot even carry my concealed weapons permit in my own children's school, which makes me vulnerable to attack also. Does that make any sense? Not to me. It makes sense to me to have one last gun in a school. I don't understand what you're talking about. I'm not going there to shoot up the school, okay? Sandy How do we Hook, know? 
Sandy Hook, he wasn't allowed to take a gun into the school. You, you understand that? He wasn't allowed. They don't care. But by, not, by, by having that band where people aren't allowed to protect themselves or to at least have some kind of opposition, armed opposition force there, okay, now gives it total to be able to go in and do whatever they want, Fez. They can walk around and do whatever, shoot whoever, and have no worries about facing anyone, at least for a good five, ten minutes before the police are able to get there, who happen to be good guys with guns, Fez, and that's why you call the police when something bad happens. Right. So what are you arguing about? I don't think I don't think the president is being elitist because his daughters are potential kidnap or but terror the, threats. The whole school is that that would when you have something that other people don't have that's what the what's elitism, right? Their school has armed guards. Right? Yes. And then he's saying we need it, but your children don't. That's where the hypocrisy comes in. And I'm not saying wrong or right. I'm just trying to have you see this from a level thing at, at, at all. His school has armed guards for his kids. And he wants that for their safety. But then he's telling the other people, you don't get this for your safety. That's where the hypocrisy comes in. All right, but I just don't see it as a hypocrisy. I see it as necessary. So do the people who would like to have armed guards for their kids. They see it as necessary as well. But, all right, I, I... Someone could come in and kidnap the president's daughters if they weren't protected. If yes, the president wasn't I agree. protected. I agree. Or, or anyone else's daughters. That's the point of the thing. This is a high-level target. You could say the same thing. The Sandy Hook kids weren't a high-level target, and yet they were killed. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. You can't act like there isn't a chance this could happen to anyone. And I'm not saying that every school should be armed, but it's very. it becomes that thing of hypocrisy if one has it and the other one doesn't have it. Um, that's all I'm pointing out to you. Uh, here's Michael. You're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ron Fez. Uh, the school, the private school that Obama's daughters go to, not counting the Secret Service, has 11 armed security guards. So even if his daughters didn't go there, there's 11 security guards armed at that school. Well, there's other pol politicians' kids there. It's exactly, exactly the point that you're making, that somehow... Upper-tier people can get something and lower-tier people can't is where the hypocrisy would come into it. But it's, I don't see where it would be hypocrisy to have, like, protect the Pentagon as opposed I, to a factory somewhere in Florida. Uh, look at it this way. How many kids are out there that have, like, a strange dad that they're estranged from, Right. Uh -huh. Most of the people that worry about somebody coming and grabbing a kid is the weirdo dad that's no longer married. That would be every bit as much as like a general's kid. That 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 is a threat that some kids live with. And I'm only making the point so at some point we can, you know, get on the same page. Um, 
Here is Ben. Ben, you're on the Run Fez show. Ben. Hey, am I on? Yeah. Hey, the last caller, he may have made this point, but I, I didn't I didn't know if he got it clear, but the school that the president's kids go to is called Sidwell Friends. And Sidwell Friends has had armed security before the president's kids were there, and it had it, and it'll have it after the president's kids are gone because it's a school full of rich kids. They get to have armed security there, but, you know, the, the, the common folks who go to public school I guess are are to be deprived of of security, and, and I, I think, think that this is yeah. Point. I think I agree with this, and I think this is a debatable thing across the board. Um, I think it's something that does need to be brought up of who gets to have this arm stuff and who doesn't. Um, and you can't sit around and say, "Oh yeah, Lindsay Lohan deserves it," but some mother of that's got a crazy ex doesn't deserve protection. Don, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, Ron. I, I, the, the, here's the exact reason why Fez should never talk about gun control, the NRA, or any any subject that has to do with weapons. Fez, why in the hell would the NRA, the National Rifle Association, make a statement about nuclear bombs? He just got confused on that. They don't deal just with rifles. They don't deal with nukes, though. They deal with handguns. They deal with rifles. You're bringing up that they would. Wanna, they deal with shotguns. That they would want to put nukes in Iran. You're better than that. You it's sh- the same theory. You shouldn't go there. Keep it in where you are. It's not the same theory because they're not even part of our country. This is for the United States of America, and where we do with our guns. And the hypocrisy thing came up with you can't if you're going to have these things uh, put out there, not we need to decide it can't be just for wealthy people. Bob, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, uh, Fez, I just want to let you know, man. Uh, given nukes to Iran, that's kind of crazy. They're not even part of the UN. Yeah, we're not. Yeah, we're not going to go to that. That right? That wasn't. Kevin, you're on the run of Fez show. Hey, buddy. Yeah. Hey, Fezzy, don't you want everybody, you know, to be fair and, and equal under your eyes? You know, gays are supposed to be looked upon just like, you know, heterosexuals. Right? Isn't that what you say all the time? Sure. Uh, okay, so my kids are, are different than Obama's kids because my kids don't get Secret Service protection. So are my kids less than Obama's kids? No, they're not less than the country so as Obama why kids. Have, why but, can't my school have an armed guard then? Are your kids a high-level target? My, my wife's a district attorney for a, a large county in this state. That would make her a target. So you're saying you that if anybody is a high-level target, then they, they that gun should have uh, you gotta should have to guns. you got to sometimes, bro. Yeah, it, 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 you bad. have to stay away from it because you will find out that a lot of kids out there are what you would call high-level targets. There's a lot of kids out there that are children of divorce, and they got what I would call a Hicks dad or a Chris Stanley. Okay. I mean, God forbid, and I hope that you don't have children. I hope But so. if you do, I could see you trying to take them away from the mother with a weapon. <laughs> They're mine, and they're staying with me. Um... Here's uh, Jim in Iowa. You're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, guys. A great topic, as always. Hey, if you want your kids to have armed protection, 
you get a job that offers it as a perk. Obama gets Secret Service protection for his kids because it's part of the job. He also gets a custom-fitted jumbo jet to ride around in. I can bitch all I want. I'm never going to get that with the job I have. This is a different situation because what you're talking about is unaffordable and the other one is affordable. No, so, it's part of his job that his kids get protection. First of all, he's, his, of his kids aren't the only person at that school who get the armed protection. All the wealthy kids who go to that school get the armed protection. Right, but and, the bitching is about Secret Service protection. That's what I'm talking about. I no, could care less about school. Well, the fact that you could care less about the school would mean that you weren't interested in the in the debate that was going on right now. The school has armed guards. And to go out there and say we don't want to have armed schools yet the rich people got them. I think that's a, a worthy debate. I think you answer that fucking point, but maybe that's a good point. We should take a look at it. If you don't know all the answers, just because you're on one side of it doesn't mean you immediately have to say the other side's crazy and our side's right. Um, let's go over here to um, Solomon. You're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, guys. Yeah. I don't know why we keep talking about high-value targets. I mean, those kids in Connecticut weren't high-value. When was the last time someone went after a high-value target? They're random. That's, that's the problem. These are random attacks. Who gives a fuck whether they're high-value or not high-value? Those kids in Connecticut are all dead, and not a single one of them was a high-value target. Um, let's go over here to uh, Jerry. Jerry, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, maybe. Uh, how you doing, Ron? Good, buddy. Maybe. Maybe uh, Fez can understand it better if it's like um, married people who are against gay marriage. You know what I mean? Similar, right? That would be just wanting it for themselves. Uh, right. Yes. Yes, but that has nothing to do with if we should protect the president and his family. Of course we should. It just isn't the president. It's the entire school for the for the uh, that all those kids are going there. Not every one of them is. Most of the kids who go to private school are just rich. Don't care what their parents did, because most of their parents didn't make money from political jobs anyway. Um. Let's go over to Robert. Robert, you're on my Fez. Yeah. Hey, Fez, uh, is your life more important than a child's? Uh, I just was wondering. No. Well, then you're sitting there right now in a building protected by armed security. Where you're sitting right now, you have armed security. Why? I don't think we're armed. We have security. I don't. Th- uh, no one here has a I gun. I will guarantee you there are arms There's there. gun lockers in the uh, thing. I in the green room. So, so why should you be there during your work day? Where you are? You a high value target, or are you a politician? I don't understand why. No, but I live in a city that is. So everybody in New York can't walk so, around so with those, guns. So, so those, right, they can't. They're there to protect for terrorists. Those they're there to fight terrorism to protect. That's why those guards are in your building. I would assume that's why we have such thick security here. 
And bomb sniffing dogs in the lo- and downstairs outside in the parking garage. Your security is mostly there for a nut job that walks in off the street. The same reason that children sitting in schools and teachers minding their own business who aren't anybody's kids and aren't politicians and high-value targets have the same right to be protected while they're doing their business during the day as you do. All right, let's go over to Jake in Texas. You're on Fez. Hey, guys. Great to be on. A great conversation, man. I love things like this because, obviously, it sparks everyone's interest, gets everybody involved, and that's how change happens. And I'd like to say I kind of like Fez's point of view on this one. I mean, we made the decision to allow the president to have this type of security, and if we don't like it, we have the ability to change it. That's what's so great about living in America. But, you know, it's it's not so much that the president is going to continue to do this to offset, you know, other people's beliefs. It's not a hypocrisy thing, in my opinion. We've given them the ability to do this, and they're going to take advantage of it. But but here, here would be the point. The entire school has armed guards. And we have been saying since this happened, right, any school that has armed guards is more dangerous than one that doesn't, correct? Yes. I mean, that has been the thing. But here he is in that school where his children go with armed guards who are not even part of the security detail of the president. I don't know why you don't see that as a kind of a strange thing and maybe a place for us all to take a stop, uh, a step back and take a look at it. That the, the, well, I, this I isn't, that they aren't there. If the president doesn't, if the president's kids aren't in that school, you know what I mean? That armed security still exists at that school. Okay. You get that? Well, yeah, because okay. there's other politicians and ambassadors' children okay. there. Okay, but again, you cannot just act like their children are important and other children aren't. The fact of the matter is, if it's dangerous to bring guns into school, right? If it's dangerous to have armed professionals in a school, uh-huh. it would be across the board. Your logic would be, oh my God, we have politicians' children's there, and then we have people with guns sitting in the front row. It would not make sense. Your way, if it works for these people, it would mean that that was a system that works. But when you think at Sidwell Friends, it's armed guards and Secret Service trained people, not like in Ohio where they just voted to give the janitors guns. You could sit down and debate the whole thing. But it, but the matter of it is, are you saying you would be okay with an armed policeman in every school? No, I don't think the answer is more guns in public schools. But for the rich people or the better-off people... That is the answer. That's where the hypocrisy would come in. I'm not sure which side of it I would lean on, but it is interesting to see this school, this private school, has armed guards. And you're saying, of course, we need that for safety. But across the board, you don't want a cop in every school. That's the part of it that's interesting. It is not a bad place to start talking, but it is a double standard. It definitely is a double standard. Um, here is um, Sean of Florida. You're on my face. Hey, Ron. Yeah. 
Hey, uh, you know, I grew up in Pinellas County, Florida, and uh, we had an armed Pinellas County sheriff in every middle and high school. And it made me feel safer. I mean, you didn't want to screw around with these guys. You know, they're real cops. They're really armed. And uh, they patrolled and enforced the law. Um, who, who were you afraid of? Well, I mean, you know, I heard of kids bringing guns in their backpacks. I mean, you know, drug dealers screwing around in school. And, uh, you know, there's definitely threats out there. But when we were growing up, we knew that there was an armed sheriff. And, uh, you know, he was a force to be reckoned with. Did you ever, Chris, in your life know a kid who liked the fact that there was a cop around? This would have had to have been the nerdiest kid in history. I felt better just knowing a cop was close. Uh, the I, co- cops are here. Everyone just fucking get the fuck away from them. That, that's not, that, uh, this actually went from a no-gun school to like a fucking no-fun zone. I never. I felt much better knowing a cop was close by. I thought this is what you tried to dodge when you were a kid. Still try to dodge. Um, the high school I went to, there was an on-campus cop when I was there. A few years after I graduated, school shooting. Nothing happened. I mean, it didn't stop anything. The vice principal was killed. Who shot him? Uh, kid who uh, Kids who got suspended came back to say they're running away, came back with guns, say goodbye to their friends, got confronted, started shooting. Who confronted them? Like armed guard? No, it was like a gym teacher. Where was the armed guard when the principal was shot? The armed guard I never saw came into play. I never heard of a gym teacher got shot and think, wrestled one of the kids down. But wouldn't you think that would have been part of the story? Like, where was the armed guard? Yeah, you would think so. <laughs> well, let's try to find out. I think that I think that's interesting. I didn't know that you went to a school with an armed cop. I, I never had that in any of my schools. It was like some sort of, I think he actually like lived on the campus. Weird. Like there was like a double wide trailer that they had a cop this in. This is getting really weird sounding. <laughs> this is just like a guy, dude with a gun. Why would a cop live there all the time? <laughs> why couldn't he just come in when school was on? Nope, this is part of the gig. You gotta fucking live on campus. Um, let's go over here to uh, our buddy Cigars and Scotch. Hey, more importantly, if Fez, Fez had his way, we wouldn't have the movie Kindergarten Cop. That's a classic. You know what's really exciting is now that Arnold finally put his political career behind him, he's making, <laughs> making movies again. Movies. <laughs> I don't know if anyone in history has ever went from political life back into the movies. I know Reagan had talked about it at one time, like maybe there's one more role, which really seems weird. But then, of course, he got sick right about the time he was leaving. The absent-minded professor could have been the remake. Oh, that's just, that's Stop. just mean. Stop. He did not know he was president, and they used to put leaves in the pool so that he could, he could uh, get rid of them. The uh, only one I can think of is Fred Thompson. Was, what was his uh, job? You're right, though. He was a senator, and then uh, I see him now doing insurance commercials, and I think he did, like, some sort of law movie or show. He well, he used to be on Law and Order, but I thought that was before he went into office. But I've seen him do the commercials, too. Ventura went from movies to governor, then the TV weird, shows. Weird conspiracy <laughs> shows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and then remember, here's the weird thing. He used to do those movies. The only things he ever really did were Arnold movies. And then they were both were governors. So fucking nuts. So strange. Predator had two governors in it. That's nuts. Hell yeah. 
Uh, what is everybody mad at your uh, Florida? Uh, oh, I saw it. Your Florida governor. I thought this was great. So he moved that there could be some kind of prayer in school. He put this thing in, and the satanic church has taken him up on it. So now Florida is going to start having some satanic. Because <laughs> part of the deal was you can't, if it's a religion, you can't go and They did not want the school to have anything to do with it. So the uh, satanic church was very happy about this. Nice. Pray to Satan. Dark Lord. Which we used to just call uh, Eddie Trunk Show. He's always saying to me, Oh, man, did you hear the devil's new music? It's awesome. No, Eddie, I haven't. Um, but I don't know. All these people are going to be banging out. <laughs> They're pissed. Here's Kate. Kate, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Fez. Um, you know, you made a comment about the janitors, you know, in Ohio getting approved to carry guns. These, you know, these crimes aren't janitors that are, are coming in and shooting children. These are random people that may have a tie to the school. They could be other students. Um, but, you know, we have, we have armed guards and things. We have armed guards in buildings. Don't you think that having someone there with the potential of having a gun could to deter um, someone from committing their crime? But do you want the guys that are supposed to be cleaning up the place who, who you know, don't so, have the training? So you'd, be, you'd feel better with an armed guard. You'd rather have the armed guard than the janitor. That's what your hope is for. Me? You want to know? No, I'm talking to Fez now. No, I'd rather no guns in any school. But you have one in your school, and it wasn't bad for anybody, right? Uh, no, I never even saw the guy. I mean, he was there. There was, a, you know, like a patrol car there. But, I mean, I never... And he would, uh, from time to time, uh, patrol the grounds. But I never saw him, like, in the school. Okay. But these are, these are people that are, you know, randomly, they're planning this. They're not just getting up one day and saying, hey, I'm going to go. They're, they're, they're buying bullets. They're buying, um, you know, the machine guns, whatever they have. And they're going and they're planning to go to this school. You know, those are the people that, that, are, um, that, that could be deterred. That they know, hey, if I go here, I, you know, it's not going to, I could get shot right away. They could have a gun. The principal could have It a doesn't gun also, gun, though, but, at the same time, it doesn't sound like any of these people who shoot up schools are afraid of being shot. Because most of them seem to get taken out even by their own gun. So most of these yeah, things are Yeah, there's like, very few that end up living to talk about it. Uh, and even the ones who do are too fucking idiotic that what are you really getting out of them? Like that fucking crazy Joker guy out in Colorado. Uh, Andy in Rochester. Yeah, hey, what's up? Uh, yeah. I can't believe I'm going to say this. I actually agree with Fez on this. Okay. And a quick side note, back to your movie conversation. Somebody brought up Kindergarten Cop. Bring Arnold back, have him as an armed guard in the school, and then add a Terminator element. And Hicks, you got your CGI, man. All right, now what part of it do you agree with Fez on? Uh, in terms of, like, the, the lack of hypocrisy, for one, President's kids, they're, they're a national asset, and God protect them. The school, when people talk about armed guards, they have an entry control system, they have gun lockers. These aren't armed soldiers that are roaming the halls with guns on their persons. But, have, but uh, first of all, what makes you guys think that they're going to be armed guards uh, in these schools. 
You're, you're suddenly, for some reason, when, when the debate of do we need armed guards at the school up, you guys seem to act like there's going to be drunk people running around uh, and fucking shooting at kids. That has well, never I come up. Too. If anything, you would want them to have the same exact training and care that the rich kids' school gets. This is a debatable fucking point. I'm not saying it's the way to go, but when something comes up as hypocrisy, I think it's important to point that out so that you can move on. So we're not just calling each other names and yelling back and forth. If the rich kid's school has fucking guns in it and Obama feels it's safe enough to send his kids to, we have to look at that. That's all. I'm not saying one side is right or wrong, but it's ridiculous not to to, to see that as being somewhat weird. Um, let's go over here to Jim. Jim, you're on the Run Fez show. Hi, Ronnie. Yeah. Hey, I wanted to ask Fez, because he doesn't have kids, but, you know, you do and stuff. I think my kids are, are a high value, not a, not a high value target, but they're a high value to me. So anything that we can do to protect my kids, in my, you know, interest, I'd, I'd be kind of down for it. You know, the, the feds not having children doesn't actually know the value of his kids. Because he doesn't have them. They don't exist in his life. So it's kind of like, you know... It doesn't mean doesn't that, I don't, know, doesn't that I don't care about children. Well, if you did, if you had your own kids, you would put your life before your kids. And you would do anything in the world to make sure your kids were safe. And if it meant having an armed guard, usually a cop or an off-duty cop... Or maybe somebody from the military, then you would do that, Fessy. But you, since you don't live in that world, you don't understand it. And being you live in your little world of being a hypocrite most of the time, that you just you don't have a grasp on it. But, but my kids, to me, are just as important to me as the president's kids are to him. Yeah, I yeah I would agree somewhat of acting like that one kid is more of an asset, as it was pointed out, than the others is uh, hypocrisy. Now, even looking at all this stuff, if we had armed guards there, are we sure this thing wouldn't have taken place? I don't know. I think it's worth talking about. Um, I don't know if the yelling back and forth is going to help us at all. But if it's on the table that there's armed guards at the president's school. Maybe that's the fucking thing to follow. It's not wor- it, 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 it certainly doesn't seem like he's nervous every day with armed guards there. I, I do have to break here. Yeah. And I'll be back uh, right after this. We'll wrap it up. It's the Ron Fez Show. Thank you. 
Fed show on uh, Wednesday. Everyone's mad at the Lady Gaga for her gun tits. Gun titties. Well, her nipples just uh, stand up so strong and perky. And they're in the shape of Tommy guns. I hope. I hope she shot milk out of the fucking gun. That'd be the fucking go-to thing, right? Where she starts shooting milk out of the fucking titty. Fucking I don't know. know. Some dude's face, whatever, that's gyrating on her. That'd be fun. Disgusting. Wow, that makes sense if she's going to be so shocking. Right, that's up on the iBang. As uh, well as Fez's gun story, if you want to get in part of that. What's the headline of that story, Fez? That one is NRA calls the president an elitist hypocrite. Hypocrite. Hypocrites. And then uh, we have uh, Chris Stanley of the future. Chris Stanley is a big Gary Busey fan. Love Busey. And is basing his life on that. And here's Gary Busey talking about the Hobbit movie that Chris likes. Middle Earth, land of the Hobbits. Ah. A land that's great to visit, but you have to know how to get out. Once you've broken the barrier and crossed the line of Hobbit land. <laughs> Little hobbits with their pointed ears, not very big. Wide underwear, but very short because their legs aren't long. And I don't know what their male or female apparatus is like, but you know it's got to be working in some way because there's little hobbits coming from birth. You imagine having a team of hobbits going in with you with clean cockroaches out of a house. They'd be gone in 30 minutes. Those hobbits like to use cockroaches for games. They like to make necklaces out of them. They like to put hair pieces of cockroaches dead in their head. That way they feel like they're giving to nature. Hobbits are special. They can see and hear things we can't hear. Because Middle Earth has a different kind of electronic, spiritual and physical and mental and emotional energy going through it. So the hobbits got, got one up on us on that. Doggone hobbits are so cute can't tell the boys from the girls, which must make it exciting for them. You know, it's just fine. Now, let me just tell you this. 
I don't find him talking any nuttier than the fucking actual movie. This is what it's gonna what you will turn into if you watch Hobbit movies. Well, he and I are wearing similar Nike shoes. I'll tell you that right now. Or it's almost the same pair. <laughs> and I have well, I don't have an NFL hat, but I should. What's get always one. funny on a Gary Busey thing is every time that you know one of his YouTubes will go up somewhere, everybody will be laughing about it, and someone will yell out, "Hey, this guy had a brain accident, so it's not so funny now, is it?" And you're like, "It's still kind of funny." He's in the Busey zone. That's a really cool thing. I'm logo. sorry, but that's like saying it's never okay to laugh at stupid people. They they can't help it. They had shitty DNA, if I'm going to quote Chris Stanley from yesterday. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> You're the one with a weak-ass shit DNA. By the way, did you get any more sleep? Um, I got a little sleep last night. You feel better today? Yeah. You feel more like a human being? Mm-hmm. Chugged a bunch uh, of Red Bull. How about I got you? a little angry mail here uh, to us. Uh, this one says, um, uh, hey, Ron, I find you a clear thinker on politics and everything else. But seriously, why the hatred for bikes? Many people, for example, a large proportion of working community of Portland, me, our mutual friend Virginia, etc., responsibly rock bicycles is a great and socially valuable means of transportation. Riding a bike is not child's play or, a, or nonsense as you portray it, nor is professional cycling a marginal sport. It obviously has its issues, but it's huge internationally, if not here. Come on, man! And that's Dave from Portland. Dave, as with every email, I've given this a considerable amount of time thought i will now become a bicycle advocate oh don't he is correct good for the environment portland runs on it we'd be all better off if people were riding bicycles they're talking about fucking giving like um bicycle fucking place where you can just rent bicycles here in new york city and you can bounce around you ride bicycles there's, there's one in my neighborhood oh really? there's they, one they, in mine they're, they're, all, they're here already they've been here since the beginning of new york city they're called bike shops no no but it'll be like no a public thing where you just it's just like a fucking docking thing you fucking take the bike out and then fucking drive it wherever you just rent it real quick like just on the street you just, it's like fucking putting money into a meter you get the bike and then you just drop it off at a different Yeah, meter. they don't have that. They have places where you can go, oh, yeah. hand them $10, and leave on a bike. Uh, I don't know how they think that these bikes aren't going to be stole. The way that you're say, setting it up. <laughs> it is still New York City. Um, no. I'm going to be nicer to bicycle riders. I normally bust balls just to have fun about it. But it is a valuable way to transport your place. I did not re realize that Virginia was riding a bike like back some, and forth in Portland. Someone bounced around the city on a bike. It's fine. Bike messenger's fine. But the fucking... Um, you can't fucking give them the fucking professional sport of biking or bicycling. Come on. It's crazy looking. And the people I, who take the bicycling that, too seriously where they're dressing like Armstrong in the full gear, fucking coming to work like that. I do think that you should just be dressed as a person in your bike. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. It's fine. <laughs> Go you on. roll up your jeans so it doesn't get caught in the chain, but I hope Virginia is following the bicycle laws of her city. What? Not like here, where bicyclists go flying through red lights, through crosswalks. 
and don't they pay any own, attention. They have their own lanes now, too, Fez. But again, isn't that just prejudice when you because you see one or two people do it to say that all bicyclists do it? You know what I mean? That's just that is always what happens. This is what separates people from ever to have conversations. I have no doubt that you've seen people run through uh, red lights on bicycles. But the minute that we blame everybody for what the people do wrong, that's how we end up on these things. That's why I, was, I, I thought the fact of, and, you know, I was doing the bicycle stuff as a joke. But, it, you know, maybe uh, Jay from, uh, I'm sorry, Dave from Portland is right where... Maybe I'm hurting the cause. We all dig Portlandia, and guess who lives there now? I'll just tell you this. He's on the run from Belize, and that's all I'll tell you. A certain software multimillionaire accused of murder in oh, Belize man. now has moved to Portland. McAfee, that's where you belong, buddy. Oh, man. Portland's great. TV show's awesome. Toothpick. Vic. I think McAfee's going to fucking fit right in there. Yeah? I'm glad he got out, got out of that old police situation. I don't know if anyone ever did get killed down there. <laughs> he was never actually charged in any crime. But he got back to the United States safe and sound. I think, I think he left his like 20-year-old girlfriend down there, though. Don't think she wasn't like American or anything. Uh, people want to know if you've watched the actual ad, Fez, on the NRA thing that you've. Yeah, it's on the IB wire. I know, but have you watched it to explain what they mean by hypocrisy? Yeah, I've I've watched it where it's like our uh, armed guards uh, in his school, gun-free zones for everyone else is how it ends. Uh, let's go over to Scott. Scott, you're on the Run Fest show. Hey, how are you? Uh, this is what I called about, but once again, Fez has proven that even when he watches something, it doesn't register. Um, but uh, what I was calling about was, well, first of all, Chip Kelly, that's a done deal. Like I guess I missed that part of the show. And uh, I lost what I was going to say beyond that. Can you remind me? No, you don't need to. Yeah, you were going to bring up bicycles. But the, here, let's go back to Chip Kelly. This is an amazing thing for Philadelphia. You went from 14 years of basically having a defensive coach to now. Does this guy know anything about defense or is he all offense? It's going to be very exciting. Let's see what he does with Vic. Vic stays. And you, you, if it was up to you, if you own the uh, Giants, would you want to get rid of your guys and get a new coach? New young coach ready to take you into the future? Or you want to squeeze out what you got with the old old dude? <sighs> I'd, I'd have Coughlin finish out his contract. See, I'll tell you this. This is the kind of questions I'd like to see Dave having. But he pushes you aside, and he takes all of it. And then you're spending yourself going, that's right, Davey Mack. Davey Mack making it happen. Listen, I, you're I, his biggest cheerleader. I love Davey Mack. How can you not? Tonight, Ridecast.com, Davey Mack Sports Program. I'm going to watch it on uh, Ustream. Ustream, man. Check us out. Ustream, I stream. We all stream for Ustream. 
Joe, you're on the run fish show. Hey, buddy. Look, uh, I just wanted to, to make some clarification because the amount of misinformation that's out there is just astonishing. You know, the, you have uh, uh, the, the Colorado shooter went out of his way to that theater because they have a posted uh, known thing that you can't carry guns there, that you're not supposed to. He had theaters in his area, so closer to him that he could have done the same thing, but because of the chance of him running into somebody who can protect himself, uh, you know, it, it's just it's, it's, it's crazy. Look, another thing I wanted to add is to check out this video about crime stats. It's all over YouTube. It, it just goes to show about how violent crime in America is low and how in the, in the, 20, the past 20 years uh, crimes has dropped 50%. It's a really good video. Check it out. Uh, uh, it's too late in the show to, to, to talk about it, but please, please. Thanks, check man. It. Hmm. People love their YouTube videos. Some for everybody on there. Well, what are you going to do, huh? Upload Six stuff. and one and a half dozen of the other, I like to say. Thanks for the small talk. I was seeing if he would jump in while I was doing this. But he waited on you. I really don't want to go to more gun talk. Chester, you're on the run of the show. Hey, how you doing? I had a quick question. Talking about politicians uh, having new guards in the school. Mm -hmm. How far down do you go with it? I'm a, a town commissioner. I'm elected official. Uh, you know, to my daughter be protected in school? All kids should be protected from guns. Exactly. Well, we actually, in, uh, in the county that I live in, we have... Whether that means gun control or, you know, better background checks, any of that. All kids right. should be protected from guns. That's exactly the way I feel. We we do have a deputy at every one of our schools in our county. Uh, don't know if it's actually needed, but I feel better that he that somebody's there. We've never had any serious issues in our area, but uh, it just makes me feel better that somebody's in there. And I hope you never don't. Hope I, you never I don't. Do <laughs> and, uh, car so the point is, you would there. be for armed guns in the armed guards in the school fest. No, I think uh, the more guns, the worse. I would like to get. I would like a gun-free uh, zone to mean a gun-free zone. Well, the thing is this: you said that even when you were in school, that there was a. Uh, a guard in the school. Yeah, there was a campus police officer. And there still is there now? That, I have no idea. So, if, if we're to believe they are, because you brought it up and you said it was your school. But in that 48 years plus now, since you've graduated from high school. It hasn't been that long. It's been a long, it's been decades. Can we agree on that? All right, yeah. You, you haven't had the case of someone grabbing a guard from the gun from the guard, right? Right. So maybe there is more safety than we're letting on here. I think we should be open to it. I think we should discuss a lot of things before we leap. I think there's points on both sides. Is, and if we really want to go back to having our kids safer, we need more research and less rhetoric. My biggest fucking problem is rhetoric. I go out of my mind. I don't give a shit if it's coming from the right or from the left. I just don't want to hear the same things over and over. I want a fresh look. And I will tell you this. I hadn't heard the thing that Obama has guards in his school. I find that highly interesting. 
What do they do here in in New York City? Is there guards in the school? Armed guards? I don't know. This would be a good, great thing for you to start to look into before you, you know, get caught up and on the air. Because I know they do the metal detectors. Yeah. There wasn't an armed guard yeah. in my high school. Um, there wasn't an armed guard? No, they're just security guards, but they didn't have gats. And they were kind of lazy and do much. It was great. Open your book bag. If that. Open your book bag. <laughs> That's Brooklyn Tech. Big time school here in New York City. Brooklyn Tech. From when you can't get into any of the Manhattan schools. Vernon Reed fucking went there. Living color. So how come you haven't started a band that is known around the world? Because I blow. Because <laughs> I blow. Uh-huh. It always comes back to a gay thing. Nothing, nothing gay. Anthony Weiner. You know him from seeing his dick on Twitter. Graduated from Brooklyn Tech. Is your name up there? No. Sad. <laughs> I guess so. Is your name up there for your high school fest? Yes. Yes, it is. Notable. I'm you not, should go at it. Oh There's whole of fame inductees now for my high school? Holy shit. Uh, see if you can't get in. I'm going to aim for this motherfucker, <laughs> man. I'm going to get in. I'm going to do it. Uh, my school that I went to, our principal, Crazy Joe Clark, used to carry a bat everywhere, and then we would sing with him. Really? Mm-hmm. You sure it wasn't a movie? No. You think Stand By Me is would ever be a movie, and that's what we all sang along with? That, dude. Then later, uh, he was, he got actually shot that's... when Clint Eastwood um, left him, and then they put his body up. Five fucked me up. Anyway, that's it for us. Lou Frigno also graduated from Brooklyn Technical High School. What year? 1969. Class of 69, Lou Frigno. <laughs> Fucking rock in Brooklyn. His nickname was what? That's pretty much it. That's all. By the way, Lou Frigno says if he starts to go blind, he'll kill himself, too. Oh, no. Don't jump the gun, Lou. For all of us here, Pips the Rapist, <laughs> Catholic Joe, <laughs> Fed, and Chris Stanley, I just want to say... Uh, that's the end of my show. Donk.